And welcome into everybody to Hoopsville Sunday edition here on D3Hoops.com. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, and welcome to 2015 and essentially the second half of the uh, basketball season. We are underway uh, with some upgrades, as you might notice. We certainly hope you will catch those. Uh, need some more improvements. We're working on them. I uh, should point out my uh, wife certainly uh, did a yeoman's job of helping me out with this. Um, we will continue to do more as time goes on. Lots to cover here on the show, certainly. you got lots to figure out, as it were, on the show tonight. Tomorrow, probably, the new Top 25s will come out after a couple of weeks of not having them. Um, we will see uh, what happened. Uh, I mean, essentially, on the Top 25s, there's uh, plenty to talk about. I, I know on the women's side... FTU Florham solidified, is going to solidify its number one status. Um, there's just no way around that. Uh, they go down to um, uh, Las Vegas and beat not only Stevens Point, but come from behind to beat Platteville. You can't shake a stick at that. That's impressive, and it should be worthy noted. So their 21 first place votes will probably stick. I don't know if they'll gain anymore. Thomas Moore is certainly playing well. Other day, I think they forced 40... Three turnovers and allowed only 41 points in a win? I mean, that's just ridiculous. Um, so I don't think they, they might gain some votes. You never know. Amherst and Tufts each getting a vote. Probably hold there. But I think uh, a lot of those who are wondering if FDU was for real. Well, you got a 42-game winning streak now. 43-game uh, winning streak now. 10-0 and in the season. Have not lost since the first round of the 2013 Women's Basketball Championship against Widener. I think they proved a lot of skeptics may be wrong. On the men's side, WashU will probably stay number one. They are still undefeated, um, but certainly had their tests, uh, and so did everybody else. Uh, Richard Stockton at four will fall. They'll fall for two reasons. One, they had a bigger battle against Lynchburg, which may get Lynchburg into the top 25. You never know. Certainly may get them more than 31 votes. But on the flip side of that, um, Richard Stockton then lost today to Franklin and Marshall, number 25 Franklin and Marshall. Um, I don't know how to make of that. I saw both teams in action Saturday didn't, and watched the video today. Uh, Richard uh, Franklin and Marshall had a 20-point lead and nearly lost the game. I think that's going to be taken into account by a lot of voters for sure. Uh, I also got a chance to see Amherst this week. Uh, they had a 16-point lead on my alma mater, Goucher. Then we're down three with 5.4 seconds left. Hit a three to tie it. And certainly moving on uh, in overtime, they get the win. Whew, you know, uh, they're at 15. I think that's safe. Scranton's at 16. I saw them this week. Uh, of course, they lost to Husson. Husson proved themselves. You want to talk about FDU proving themselves? Husson proved themselves. I think they jump into the top 25 as a result. Um, I mean, come on. You beat Scranton and led most of that game. You beat Hamden Sydney on a buzzer beater and certainly played well in that game. I think Hudson proved some doubters wrong, to be sure. Uh, so lots to talk about in the last few weeks, um, certainly around basketball. By the way, University of New England, one of those teams on the women's side that lost. The men's side certainly had some uh, losses as well. Lots to try and cover. Let's, uh, let's point that out. It's try and cover. And we'll certainly get around to covering as much as we can. We are on Sunday here, so welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. This is now back to our atypical Sunday-Thursday schedule 
will be on the air uh, Sundays and Thursdays for the rest of the season, starting at 7 o'clock Eastern time for the most part. There will be some exceptions to that. Um, for example, we are planning a 12-hour show to coming up on a Thursday sometime this month, most likely. Those details to be worked out, but if I were to pick one off the top of my head, it would probably be Thursday the 29th. Could adjust don't hold us to it just yet, but that will be a 12-hour show. So that would be one of those shows where we probably start about 10 or so in the morning, maybe 11 Eastern time, and go all the way till 10 or 11 o'clock that night. It was very successful last year, certainly well sought of. We've, we asked Twitter briefly a few days ago, certainly got some positive responses, so look for that. So that's a different time, for example. And, of course, in February, we'll have a couple different times, especially around Selection Sunday uh, and Bracket Monday when those announcements are made and such. Uh, Nathaniel, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I see you got me on the big screen on via Twitter. Certainly appreciate it. it looks kind of cool, to be honest with you. Uh, gonna have to talk about that gra uh, CVS box in the lower left there, Nathaniel. I'm a little worried about you. Hope you're okay. Um, but again, uh, outstanding. Thanks for joining. Don't forget, you can join us on Twitter at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com and facebook.com. Slash hoops are really your easiest ways to communicate with us. Again, if you notice the background, we have certainly dressed up our set, and we are not done yet. We will continue to work on this. There is more above that you can't see now. We'll be adding a camera shot so you can see more in the future. Those basketballs may or may not stay where they are now. We may move them around, but uh, you'll notice uh, up here, if you follow my finger, this small ball right here, that is from the Final Four in Atlanta where Amherst and Mary Harden Baylor got to play basketball. That is the official Hoopsville Classic Basketball. You'll notice the logo for the event sitting right there. And then this is just one I collected. You can't really see the logo. Just one I collected. It's from uh, the 2002 Final Four, I believe, when Maryland won. That's when I was back covering sports at the local ABC affiliate. If you look around at some of the books that we have up here and some other items are personal to me, though also some Division Three elements, you'll notice over my shoulder here we got a monitor with Division Three logos. We'll work on that. It's not perfect. We'll figure out how you can see those logos a little bit better. It's getting washed out by the camera that we're using. Uh, so we'll try and work so you can see those a little bit better. You'll also see a, a little basketball hoop. That came from Wheaton Wim, uh, Women's Basketball, Wheaton of Massachusetts. want to thank them. wanted to show that off just a little bit more. You'll see a, a championship uh, banner type thing from the 2013 championship weekend in Salem. Um, and of course, that was the weekend we went on to Atlanta, so those were eight teams there. Anyway, some things personal. There's a book up there by Division Three student-athlete and other things. More importantly, you'll notice a jersey right here. That is Ohio Wesleyan jersey number 22, signed by Lauren Hill of Mount St. Joe. That is the jersey that we purchased on the on the uh, auction to raise money for childhood cancer, especially childhood brain cancer. God bless Lauren Hill. I mean, come on. Uh, on a day when we're, when we're mourning the loss of Stuart Scott, which I will admit personally hit me a little bit harder than I thought, God bless Lauren Hill, who not only has lived to see Christmas, she has lived to see New Year's, but more importantly, lived to see her goal of raising million dollars for childhood brain cancer fulfilled. They were $200,000 short, did a telethon on the 30th, and went past the $1 million. God bless Lauren Hill. I don't care, and I've said this already, and you'll hear me say it again. I don't care if a national champ comes out of nowhere 
wins a conference championship, 500, I don't care. Give me the most outlandish national champion who then wins it on a buzzer beater heave at half court. You name me the scenario. It will not be the story of the year in Division Three. It will not be the story, in my mind, in college basketball this year. Lauren Hill's that story. Lauren Hill is that story. Incredible effort by her. No longer playing. She's now an honorary volunteer coach for the team. Lauren Hill is that story. It will always be the story of 2014 and 15 basketball season. Lauren Hill is that story. God bless her. And we will try. You never know. We, we might get her on the show sometime in the near future. It's up to her. We're going to reach out. Don't want to say that we want her in, in any strong sense. If she's available to talk to us, we'll love to have her. But God bless Lauren Hill. She has done amazing things for uh, college basketball. She's done even more amazing things for cancer research. She's done even more amazing things for inspiring people to get off your butt and do something. She has done something in facing incredible odds. We lost Stuart Scott today of ESPN. Lauren Hill lives a life he lived as well. Two great people. Lauren Hill, Jersey, will be behind us. I would say forever. Who knows? We may move it around in the future. But for this year, it'll be in that spot, always over my shoulder, always lit by a light, always behind us from now on. And I suspect it'll be in our set in some way. By the way, speaking of the set, if you would like to help decorate it, let us know. We have a number of t-shirts and polos and stuff that we will certainly hang. We're trying to figure out how to do it. We will work on it. We got some space over here. We got some space over here. We'll figure out how to do it and get some more shirts um, shown off, as it were, here in the studio. But I hope you like it. It's a little bit better than what we have had in the last 15 years. Let's talk about what we're going to have on the show. Um, we're going to have an exclusive with now the sixth all-time winningest coach in all of college basketball, well, NCAA college basketball. I want to uh, I'll point that out. We'll double-check it all. I got a chance yesterday to talk to Glenn Robinson after win number 880. He is now at win 881 after the win today over Richard Stockton. He passes Dean Smith in the process. He was tied going into Saturday's game with a legendary North Carolina head coach. One that Glenn Robinson knew very well, does know very well. Glenn in the interview says that one, Dean Smith is the best ever. He also says he's embarrassed to even be in a conversation or in a sentence with Dean Smith. That is how much he regards him. You'll hear more of that exclusive interview coming up on the show. I also hear from Dave Hickson from Amherst. We were holding on to this one. I knew when I saw the schedule of Goucher that Amherst was coming to town. Win or lose, we would talk to the Lord Jeff's head coach, and lo and behold, we did. He was gracious enough to join us after their nail-biting overtime win over the Gophers. We will talk to him about that, obviously pre-recorded. Also talk to Richard Stockton's head coaching staff. And I say that because Jerry Matthews is a head coach, associate head coach of Scott Bittner. Bittner does all the hard walking around and pacing and yelling at referees on the sideline while Jerry Matthews will bark at a referee on occasion. Certainly bark at his team and, and, and shout out commands to Scott, but Jerry no longer gets up and gets active. We talk about that in our interview. That is coming up as well. Also, have you seen North Central women's basketball? They're off to a pretty darn good start this season. 12-0, and 0, yet no votes, last I checked, in the top 25. I think that might change after a win over Illinois Wesleyan, though close, came from behind 
But again, they are 12-0, and 0, and they are not receiving any love in the women's top 25. Will that change? We'll certainly find that out, but we'll talk to their head coach, Michelle Roof, coming up here on Hoopsville. Also, we'll go back and listen to a couple interviews that we conducted at the Hoopsville Classic. Um, one with Husson's men's basketball coach, Warren Crusoe, after their win over Scranton. We'll show you their buzzer beater that beat Hamden Sydney. We will save you the, um, the embarrassment of hearing me call the game, but we will see the angle that Pat Coleman got from underneath the basket to see uh, the incredible shot by Butler that went through. Uh, you'll also hear from an incredible student athlete, uh, uh, Leanne Lively from FDU Florham. She single-handedly helped the Devils past Wisconsin Blantville. You'll hear her interview as well. And uh, Jake Jarnago from Wisconsin Lutheran. Not a team you talk about all that often, but he had a heck of a game at the D3Hoops.com Classic, and we'll hear from him as well. That's all coming up. Of course, Pat Coleman will also join us, and believe it or not, it will be via Skype. Knock on all the wood you see in the background including this one right here. Hopefully we'll get Pat on Skype as well. Talk to him at the, again, it's not the official halfway poll, though some teams have played, as North Central has, 12 games of their 25 already. Uh, but we'll talk to him about what he sees as we turn the corner. And now that his focus is certainly clearly more on basketball now that football is over as well. Again, you can interact with us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Facebook us at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Um, and uh, so on and so forth. So we hope uh, we can hear from you. Uh, we, we, the best way to interact with us is via those social media apps. <coughs> Excuse me. Nothing like sneezing on camera to liven you up just a little bit. Um, obviously getting into conference play at this point for a lot of teams who are now past the out-of-conference schedules that a lot of these teams have. Um, we'll talk about uh, the significance of that. By the way, something that I don't want to make a big deal out of, but something I did finally spot, as it were. You know, you have 25 games. A lot of Division three teams end up playing Division one and Division two teams in exhibition. There are rules behind when you can play those teams, when those games can count, when those games can't count. I hate to say it, but unfortunately... It's going to affect everybody's schedule if you don't quite get it right. And there's a school in the Mid-Atlantic that had a game that they thought was going to be an exhibition against a Division I team in, in November. I think it was in or, or, or early December. Long story short, it turns out they had to cancel one of the Division Three games because it was supposed to count. You feel bad for the other Division Three team that had to lose a game. Not sure if they're ever going to be able to make it up. On the flip side of that, you have another school in Bryn Mawr in women's basketball at Centennial in the Centennial Conference who only plays one conference game because they just can't seem to feel the unit they feel is competitive. don't know if we brought it up in, a, in our previous show, but they only scored six points and I believe only one point at halftime of a game against Johns Hopkins. This is a school that maybe the conference is being too nice to. They have put their women's, the other women's programs in a bit of challenge, as it were. You feel bad for the student-athletes at Bryn Mawr, but you also feel bad for the student-athletes at the other eight centennial institutions who are playing a number of basketball games, and then they have one game that could hurt their chances, believe it or not, in making the NCAA tournament, because they have to play the game. And when you only put up six points, your record this year is not going to be so good. 
The future of Bryn Mawr is certainly in question in the Centennial Conference, me personally saying that. You wonder what is right by the student-athlete. I think Bryn Mawr is at that crossroads. Something interesting going on in Division Three. Speaking of things that are interesting going on in Division Three, the NCAA convention is coming up in two weeks. In two weeks, we will be on the... I think it's two weeks. Hold on, let me look at the calendar. Yep, two weeks from tonight, we will be on the air having spent three days at the NCAA convention ourselves watching the votes. The big one for basketball to keep in mind, well, there's several, by the way, keep in mind for all of Division Three, but it would certainly affect basketball, would be to see um, what they're going to do with the 10% rule. Will it come to a vote is the first question, and if it's voted, will it be approved? Will they reduce the number of games teams will play by 10%? How that affects basketball means one regular season game is eliminated, and one of those two exhibition-type games would also be eliminated. It's an interesting vote. Now, in basketball, it has a direct effect because most teams play the max amount of games they can play. But in other sports, like baseball, softball, soccer, and others, a lot of teams do not even get within 10% of playing their maximum amount of games. So there's a big fervor about that 10% reduction. Well, in most sports, it doesn't take any opportunities away from student-athletes because those student-athletes don't have those opportunities in the first place, if you understand what I'm saying. Because the coach is not, you know, if there's 40 baseball games, coach might be scheduling 35. Well, 36 is 10% or 90% of your schedule. So if they reduced it to 36 and the coach is still scheduling 35, student-athletes are not losing opportunities. Now those schools that are scheduling 40, certainly student-athletes will lose experience, you know, opportunities there to play games. The question then comes into play. Is a minority, and I would argue a minority, of student-athletes losing games something that is worth, over not overlooking, but worth understanding to reduce the number of opportunities. And there's financial implications here. There's student-athlete time implications here, which also then goes into non-standard or non-traditional seasons, the off-seasons, as it were. There's a lot at stake here at that 10%. That's all coming up, including uh, financial votes that would affect championships and how uh, much money is used in those championships, et cetera. That's all coming up in two weeks at the NCAA convention. I will be on hand for that, looking forward to that. And we certainly hope you will... Keep track with us as well. With the strength at the top of the OAC, this is a Twitter question, I should say, from Ryan. Ryan, thank you for the question. With the strength at the top of the OAC this year, is this the year the conference gets multiple bids in the tournament? Well, let's argue first off that it's a little early to determine that. I'm assuming you're talking men, so let me call it up quickly before we take a commercial break and bring in our first guest. But give me a moment here to call up the OAC just to take a quick gander at it. You do have Marietta, who's undefeated at 12-0. and uh, and 5-0 and in conference. Mount Union certainly off to an, a great start at 8-3. John Carroll is a nice surprise at 8-3. Baldwin Wallace is 7-3. I would argue this at this point in time, Ryan. Sure, the OAC could get multiple bids. But we're about to really get into conference action. I understand Marietta's played five games. I understand Mount Union's played four. Carroll five. Baldwin Wallace five. But now we get into conference play. How much does the conference beat each other up? Does do, do one or two teams separate themselves? Can Marietta and maybe John Carroll pull away from the pack or Mount Union pull away from the pack and not take a lot of conference losses? If that's the case, and granted we have not seen SOS numbers and we really won't see official ones until late January, early February, 
sure, two bids could come out of the OAC. I don't see why not. But it is, we're, we're, we're halfway. There's a lot of basketball to be played. And if this conference beats each other up, if Mount Union, Marietta, John Carroll, Ball, and Wallace take three, four, some odd losses in conference, mm-mm. I hate to tell you, but there's no way that this conference gets multiple bids. And that's true for a lot of conferences, ladies and gentlemen. That's not just the OAC. It also depends on how your out-of-conference schedule was. Let's call up Marietta for an example before we go to break. They played Hanover, St. Vincent, Waynesburg, La Roche, Westminster, PA, Muskegon, Willing, uh, Willington, of course, uh, Wilmington, of course, in conference, Heidelberg, Baldwin Wallace, John Carroll, who they beat handily, by the way, uh, Eastern Connecticut, Mass Dartmouth, Ohio Northern, those, you know, getting into conference play there. I would say Marietta's got an average out of conference schedule. Hanover's a good game to have in there. St. Vincent normally has been a good game. Uh, nobody else jumping out of me out of conference except Eastern Connecticut. That's certainly a good game and a win, we should point out. So, yeah, Marietta's got a chance. But if you have a week out of conference schedule, and let's quickly go to John Carroll for an example. Let's see. I think they may have not had the, well, they did play Alvernia, but Alvernia's way down. Centenary does nothing for you. Didn't get a chance to play Heidelberg because you had lost to Alvernia, by the way. Um, also out of conference, you played UW Stout, not exactly world beaters. You did play St. Norbert and give them their first loss and then turned around and lost to Nazareth. You'll have Potsdam State, you beat. John Carroll's got an average at best conference, out of conference schedule. That's a determining factor as well. So I, I would argue that the OAC certainly is poised to get multiple bids at halfway point of the season. But I wouldn't hold my breath if they start beating each other up. I really wouldn't hold my breath. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll go to the Skype and talk to uh, women's basketball coach uh, Michelle Roof from North Central here on the show. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. 
By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. Hey, welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show as we are... Uh... Excuse me, I'm playing with some audio levels here. As we are on our season debut for or Sunday season debut for the uh, season, of course, we had a few Thursday shows to start the season off, and now we're officially on our Sunday to Thursday schedule, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern time, for the most part, through the rest of the season, of course, right through the championships in the end of March. Join us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also join us on Facebook uh, at uh, facebook.com slash hoopsville um one of the stories that i've certainly been following has been the north central women's basketball program who have certainly surprised many maybe i don't know we'll find that out but certainly off to a 12 and 0 start start with no votes in the top 25 yes granted we've gone a couple weeks without any votes and they played a bunch of games in the meantime and the win against illinois wesley it certainly isn't reflected in that top 25 it will be most likely reflected in the top 25 coming up. But what's interesting is they're not playing the basketball most women's basketball teams play. They're playing the system. And so we had to talk about this team. We had to do it here on Sunday night, of course, when we talk about the Central Region. So joining us on Hoopsville from her home office, I believe, is Michelle Roof from North Central. Coach, can you hear me? And and how are you? Yes, I'm, I'm doing good, Dave. I'd be doing a little bit better if the Cowboys were winning right now. But... Uh... But I'm hanging in there, and they're on the verge of, of scoring another touchdown, so I think we're going to be all right. Well, Coach, uh, as a as a Baltimore-based show, we are certainly thrilled with how the NFL playoffs are playing out so far. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I bet you are. <laughs> hey, uh, listen, 12-0, off to a terrific start, to say the least. Um, yeah, and, and, I, and I look through the schedule, and you guys have played a litany of different teams from around the country. You've got St. Mary's in, of Indiana. you got Millsaps and Benedictine. Um, by the way, Millsaps, a two-point win and a high-scoring affair, 117-115. They clearly were happy to play the system, as it were. Then you guys took a trip out west, played Redlands and Laverne. Uh, you got a game against Carroll, Monmouth, Dubuque, Eureka, and then, of course, Illinois Wesleyan just yesterday. All wins, some of them handily. But then that Illinois Wesleyan game sticks out like a bit of a sore thumb as it's 59-56. I know you guys had to come from behind. My first question would be, did you play the system against Illinois Wesleyan? Man, we were, we were trying to. We were really trying to uh, get in the rhythm and do you know, anything we could to keep the game as up-tempo as possible. But, you know, my outstanding coach had a great game plan, and they, they really, you know, slowed us down uh, pretty much uh, most of the game. But... Um, you know, we've got some resilient players, some resilient seniors, and, uh, you know, just, just found a way to win it. But it definitely wasn't, you know, the game that we typically like to play. Uh, you guys had set a record going in, so this is interesting. You had tied a record, I should say, I think, in Division Three. Maybe I'm wrong, of having five straight 100-plus scoring games. Of course, Illinois Wesleyan brings that to a screeching halt. It's not the only low-scoring affair. I find it ironic you had a 65-61 game against Redlands, who on the men's side had been playing the system for a number of years before they had a coaching change. So an ironic score there. But give me an idea. I mean, the system's this up-tempo thing that everybody's certainly familiar with. Everybody's got a different take on the system, we should point out as well. 
Um, but, you know, it's up-tempo. It's take shots as often as you can. Give up easy layups if you can get the ball back and fire a three. At least that's the basis of it. Again, everybody's got a different sense. So how do these low-scoring affairs end up happening with you guys? Do you guys augment the system? Is it just a really good defense that you have to adjust to? You know, it's just different types of defensive looks. I mean, we've seen a, a lot of different things this year, uh, more so than in past years uh, in terms of, you know, ways that teams try to combat, you know, what we're trying to do on the court. And, you know, sometimes, you know, teams can, can slow us down a little bit in, in different ways and you know, we just have to find a way to make adjustments, uh, keep the game moving as much as possible, and uh, try to get up and down and, you know, stay in a rhythm and, and do what we do so that you know, we can attack, um, you know, and, and score. You know, our whole goal is to score off of one pass if possible, um, score early. We just want to take the first good shot that becomes available to us and, uh, you know, keep the pressure on at all times. And so different teams try some, you know, some different ways of, of playing us defensively. And, you know, we've had a lot of different looks in this in this preseason, um, you know, to kind of hopefully prepare us for, for what we may see in conference. Yeah, I was going to say the tapes that coaches are looking at against you guys are probably just full of different ideas, not necessarily <laughs> all that work. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of curious – if you're will, are you willing to give up a shot quickly to get that ball back? And thus, how is that still ending up in low-scoring affairs? You know, I mean, we just want to want to force the tempo. We, you know, there, there's sometimes some some perceptions out there that we're okay with giving up wide-open layups, and you know, we really. If that's if that's what's happening out on the court, there is some sort of you know breakdown on our part, you know, or it's players just being overly aggressive, which we don't discourage, um, you know. So so we just really get after it, and uh, we want to take a quick shot, we want to take a, a good shot, and we want to force our opponents, you know, to play the tempo that maybe they're not real comfortable with, and uh, in doing so, we you know really try to force them to the rim and. You know, we, we face, you know, numbered breaks quite often, two-on-ones, you know, three-on-twos. Uh, we know that, you know, because of our backcourt pressure, because of how, you know, how aggressive and tenacious we are in our trapping defense, that that's going to happen at times. And so we practice those situations, you know, and practice as much as possible. And, and we know that we're going to encounter them. Uh, we don't like to give up the layups, but, you know, if kids are playing real aggressive and going for a steal that they think they can get, um, and, and, and a layup happens, you know, as a result, you know, we, we tend to be okay with that. So you're, you're not playing token defense. You're, you're actually stepping up a little bit and playing some, some more man five on five type defense. You're, you're not, as you point out, you'll, if, if there's an aggressive move, you're not going to necessarily try and shut it down, but you're going to play a little bit more half court D. Well, no, I mean, we want to play full court defense and our whole philosophy is we want to start our attack as soon as they come down with the basketball. So we're going to double team, we're going to attack and and trap and, and rotate off of it everywhere on the basketball court. Um, you know, we don't we, we really try not to get stuck into a half court game, but you know, keep the game going up and down. And um, you know, we, we just want to want to force force teams to play the tempo you know that we're comfortable with, and uh, you know, do the best we can defensively to try to force the action and be the aggressors at all times. Fascinating. My my next question regarding this is what does what kind of drove you to bring this game in as it were um uh, it's not something i know you guys have necessarily played all of the time or at least north central certainly hasn't played all the time you've been there since 
uh, the beginning of the 2010 season. And if memory serves, I don't th- have you guys been playing it the whole time? What drove you to this decision? Well, it's interesting. My first job out of college uh, after I graduated from Eastern Illinois, my first job that I landed was an assistant coaching position at Grinnell College. Uh, so I coached on the women's side. I got to see Coach Arsenal and the Grinnell men's team play, you know, 20 times in a season and just kind of saw the energy and the enthusiasm that was in the gym every night and, and kind of, you know, fell in love with it and said, man, it's, it's so much fun to play. The players, I could tell, just absolutely loved it and uh, brought so much excitement into the gymnasium that, you know, I just kind of wondered if, if you know, you could do it if it could be done on the women's side in the women's game. And then came to, ended up, you know, years later getting a head coaching job, um, connecting up with Doug Porter, who's my, my assistant now, who was then running it with all of that Nazarene and, and started just kind of watching it, seeing how it, it unfolded and, you know, finally made the decision, uh, you know, to go to it with our group. We, we felt that uh, I don't know. We really needed to generate some some excitement, some enthusiasm for, you know, for North Central basketball, a program that had been struggling a little bit. And I thought, you know, that we, we had the athletes, um, we had the depth, and that you know it'd be something that would, you know, we get people really excited about basketball in Naperville. Um, interestingly enough, I mean, thirteen and thirteen in two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen is one of the most successful seasons that. That, that has existed, for lack of a better description, if you can give me for sure. a second. Sure. You guys, 7-18 and 18 a year ago, um, 11 of, or two, a couple of years ago in your in your second year, 11-14 and 14 last year. Now you're 12-0. and 0. Uh, I mean, even if you guys were to lose everything the rest of the way, you're still one of the most successful seasons that this program has had. That's got to be creating some buzz. Yeah, you know, it really is. I mean, you know, traditionally our athletic programs at North Central have been very good. Men's basketball, you know, yeah. is, is right up there too and does a nice job. Um, you know, coming into the year, we knew that with this group, it was just a special group and a special team. And, and I didn't know, you know, what would come of it in terms of wins and losses, but I just knew that it was going to be a year different than any other because of just the chemistry that we have on this team and the resiliency that we have, you know, with our whole team and these seniors. And so we knew that it was going to be exciting. We knew that it was going to be something special, but I mean, if you were to ask me at the beginning of the season, you know, do you think your team's going to be 12 and 0? I mean, it just, it, it kind of blows my mind. These, these kids and these players just keep, you know, keep surprising me and, and uh, you know, every game, I mean, they just, they just come out to play and, you know, they execute and they just don't give up. And it's it's been a lot of fun so far. And what's interesting is you don't necessarily have one go-to. I mean, well, you have one go-to person. Uh, Test Goddard at 17.8 points a game. you got three more at nine points a game, four more at seven plus, uh, two more at five plus. Certainly, you go deep. It's a system. You're going to sub. You're going to keep the pace up. When, when you win this season – and you talk about the the specialness of this class of seniors, certainly. I think there was three of them I saw on the roster. And you talked about this group of players. They've certainly embraced the system. They've certainly embraced this idea. It's not a gimmick, clearly, this year. It's working this year. How has that changed practice? How has that changed the players' approach going into the season? 
Well, I, I think right from the beginning, you know, we knew that it's, you know, it's not a gimmick. It's it's just a, a very up-tempo style of basketball. And when we talk about it, we say it's up-tempo basketball on steroids. You know, we've really, our goal is to get these players out in the open court and let them use their strengths and use their talents to make plays and make plays based off of, you know, chemistry and, and teamwork and, uh, you know, really trying to enhance the strengths you know, each of our individual players, it's based upon, you know, really building confidence and, uh, you know, wearing teams down over a 40-minute game. But our seniors coming in, I mean, they, they really embrace it from the beginning. Uh, we have three seniors now. We actually have a fourth senior that unfortunately has had two ACL tears um, in eight months, and she was probably our best guard, you know, uh, up until the point that, that she had an injury last year. And so this group of four has just you know, really inspired the younger kids. Um, you know, finally, the, the players that we're recruiting, you know, are coming in excited about playing this style. And uh, it's just kind of, you know, drives some energy, some some excitement, some enthusiasm, and, and they're so bought in, and they just are willing to work and, and play hard and give everything they have every time they step on the court. And that's what we ask for. You know, every shift, every um, – you know, every time you get out on the court to play as hard as you possibly can. And if you come off the court and you're out of breath and you're really struggling, that means you played, you know, as hard as you need to play to, to make the system successful. What is also amazing, you you tied the Division Three women's basketball record of 26 made three-pointers in a game a few games back, having broken your previous program record of 21 when you played Monmouth. Is there... I'm trying to, you know, in the past, I'm sure the team was having fun and enjoying the system at 500 records, certainly nothing to shake a stick at at North Central. Is there another level of fun now? Is there almost a level of confidence that this program hasn't seen before? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, and any coach will say this, you know, when, when you're winning games and when things are going your way, I mean, it's always more fun. Uh, when that happens. Um, but yeah, you know, the confidence is building. Uh, you know, I, I just think that they think regardless of the score, regardless of the situation, you know, we're going to pull it out and, and we're going to win the game. And, um, you know, it kind of has me sometimes in a little bit of disbelief, you know, too, with the way that they'll fight uh, at the end of games. But, um, you know, they enjoy it. They have a lot of confidence, you know, right now. And, you know, we talk about every game going out, and it's just an opportunity to celebrate, you know, being able to play together, celebrate being able to play basketball. You know, it's it's something that's supposed to be fun, supposed to be enjoyable, and the fact that we're winning on top of it, I mean, yeah, it just takes it to a whole nother level. Um, I'm kind of curious uh, what you think of the CCIW now as a result. You guys are 12-0. and you got a big win over Illinois Wesleyan, though certainly a, a Titan squad who is not as strong, I would say, that as in years past. Uh, you're in a four-way tie because everybody's played a game with Wheaton yeah. and Milliken and Carthage, of course, North Fork, Elmhurst, Augustana, Illinois West. Um, how do you see this conference shaping up? Are you, have you guys maybe changed the conversation in this conference this season? You know, I don't know. I mean, our conference is tough. It's tough every single night. I mean, Top to bottom, we looked, you know, a couple of weeks back, and I think there were seven of our teams in the top 70, uh, you know, according to the Massey ratings. And it's, it's just a, a tough conference of, you know, 
good players, high character, you know, high quality players that just battle and, and get after it and do it the right way. And so I don't know. I mean, we, truly, we really try to not think about, you know, potential outcomes and, you know, what's going to happen in the future. We just, you know, from the start of the season have just focused play by play, game by game, um, and, you know, really making it the best process, the best execution that we can, and, and really trying not to focus on the results. Um, you know, it's a team that hasn't really achieved this level of success before, and so, you know, we just want to make sure that, that our players are really staying grounded, working hard every day, which they have done, and, uh, you know, getting after it. So we don't, we don't really worry about the things that we can't control. Um, you know, we just talk every day about playing our best basketball, and I really don't think that we've, we've done that yet. Um, when, okay, so give me a shameless moment here. D3, you know, you're not getting any attention in the top 25. Uh, I think if I check the schedule, when the last poll came out, I think you're at least 9-0. and uh, I could be wrong by one. Maybe you're 8-0. Has there been any a moment in your team, on your campus, has been, hey, give us some love over here? <laughs> um, I think I think most of that is coming from our announcer. I have to give a shout-out. Lucas Meisel is, uh, has been announcing our games you know, for a lot of years, and uh, he really follows us and, and supports us. And, you know, I've heard him kind of make some comments and stuff about it. But, but again, you know, for us in the CCIW, it doesn't matter what happens in the non-conference. Our conference schedule is so tough, and we know that the toughest basketball lies ahead of us. So uh, we just don't really think about that. I mean, we're just going to try to get a win Wednesday night, you know, and, and, and see what happens. And, and that's as far as our team is, is looking ahead. They really are – you know, just a mature group of players that are committed to team basketball and just want to play hard and want to do everything they can to win. And um, and that's what we're really focused on, to be completely honest. Well, you've got Milliken ahead uh, coming up on Wednesday. You're then on the road against Wheaton and then Augustana Saturday and then next Wednesday. Of course, this is a conference that Carthage dominated last year, uh, along with Illinois Wesley, and then it was Wheaton, Elmhurst, et cetera, and you guys finished – second to last year. So you do have a couple good tests coming up. Um, yeah. Off the top of my head, I can't remember where Carthage is in your schedule, but I'll find it as I quickly scroll down. You have them later in in, uh, in in January. So certainly a tough test ahead of you. Had a tough test against Illinois Wesleyan. Is uh, Take the coaching cliche, is this one game at a time? Oh, my gosh. It's totally one game at a time. And <laughs> You just you just never know what's going to happen, you know. I I feel confident that I think we're at a point now where the culture is that we're going to come out, we're going to work hard and play hard um, every game. But in the in, in the conference, you know, everybody's hyped up for every single game. It's it's all rivalries, you know. I, I mean, our players have a rivalry with every other team uh, that we face, you know, from here on out. So we know everybody's going to be playing their best basketball. It's just a matter of execution of you know finishing games and and just tossing the ball up and seeing what happens i guess well coach i really appreciate you coming on the show especially trying out the skype with me i uh, that's fun uh, we <laughs> certainly appreciate it. the new upgrades to the studio allowing us to do that uh congratulations on an absolutely terrific season like i said you guys could lose the rest of the way here and you still by north central <laughs> standards would have an incredible season and that's not a knock i'm i'm, I'm dead serious this is a terrific start. Very impressed, especially the come-from-behind win against Illinois Wesleyan uh, and, and the amount of 100-point games 
your ladies have put up. Good luck against Milliken on Wednesday. Good luck the rest of the conference schedule. We'll certainly keep an eye on not only your Cardinals squad, we'll keep an eye on the men's squad who got a win over Illinois Wesleyan as well. Nice sweep there on Saturday. Uh, as always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be watching? Um, you know, not really. I mean, you know, we talk all the time with our team about, you know, how great it is to play Division Three basketball, how great it is to get out there and have the opportunity to play with your teammates, you know, play in a positive, supportive environment. And uh, basketball's supposed to be fun, and we enjoy it. I hope, you know, all the teams, all the players out there just love, you know, love the experience and walk off the court just really appreciating the opportunities we have. So thank you for covering us. Thank you for watching. And hopefully, you know, we can bring some exciting up-tempo basketball to you in, in our games ahead. Very good. Well, congratulations again. Good luck to your Cowboys. Uh, I don't have a clue what's going on. I'm moved on to next Saturday already. Uh, yeah. and, we'll, and we'll look forward to watching you guys. Take care of yourselves. All right. Thanks, Dave. All right. Have a good one. You too, Michelle. Ruth joining us here on Hoop, so we appreciate her taking the time to do so. Going to take another break. When we come back, we'll recap the D3Hoops.com Classic and a couple other surprises that came out of there. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. Uh, it was hard to look at people's faces. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Division Three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world.
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show here on Sunday, January 4th, our first Sunday show of the season. Certainly lots to talk about here uh, as we recap a few weeks of the basketball season. We certainly appreciate you coming on and joining us as we do so. Great conversation there with Michelle Roof of North Central. Um, again, 12-0 start. you got to figure they're going to get some top 25 love here coming up on the season. We certainly hope they do so. Um, it, it is certainly a hats off to that program and, and everything that they uh, certainly have accomplished, uh, and we want to congratulate them accordingly. Um, still to come, we will talk to Amherst men's basketball coach Dave Hickson, uh, an exclusive interview with Glenn Robinson, men's basketball coach, um, uh, <laughs> Glenn Robinson, Franklin and Marshall's men's basketball coach, who just got uh, win 881 today. We talked to him after win 880 that officially put him past Dean Smith. Uh, on the all-time winning uh, men's basketball list. Um, and we'll also be talking to the Richard Stockton men's basketball crew, as it were, Gary Matthews and Scott uh, Bittner. That's all coming up on Hoops. We'll also hear from Pat Coleman as well. But right now, I want to recap quickly the D3Hoops.com Classic, another fabulous event out in Las Vegas. I want to thank everybody who joined us out there. Of course, the 14 teams resulting in 14 games. Lots to talk about. One of the highlights certainly was Husson, the men's basketball team, not only with a win over Scranton, but a huge buzzer-beater win over Hamden Sydney. Let's talk with about the Scranton game first. Team came out, certainly got up on, on Scranton early on in the first five minutes of the game, played extremely good basketball, uh, and, and proved the naysayers wrong for all intensive purposes. Certainly played incredible basketball uh, as they continue to be undefeated on the season. Um, we'll talk about the Hamden-Sydney game in a minute, but I talked to Coach uh, Warren Caruso between those two games, and here's what he said, uh, or part of what he said out there at the Hoopsville Classic. Well, hold on. Got to fix something first. There we go. This is what it, part of what he said out there at the Classic in Vegas. You guys have, I know as a program, and I certainly know the fans and others have said, you guys deserve a little bit more national attention and maybe some respect. Certainly went out there and earned it on the basketball court here in Las Vegas. Well, thanks, Dan. I think one of the things we've talked about as a program, we've got to earn it. You know, you got to beat the teams that, that are in that category, and we had an opportunity tonight to play one, and thought coming off break, we played you know, very well, shot the ball, made some big shots, and, and was very solid defensively. So, uh, real credit to our guys uh, you know, to get the W, and, and hopefully we can build on that. Interesting enough, last couple of years you've won 20-plus games, certainly dominated the NAC, gotten into the, into the NCAA tournament, first-round loss to Plattsburgh at their place, first-round loss to Eastern Connecticut. How much does a game like this, at this point in the season, on your schedule, maybe now help you? come March should you be in that situation again? Well, we certainly hope so. That's why you know we try to schedule games like that. We were hurt last year by not having two additional games at that level, I think, but uh, you know, it, it's a measuring stick. I mean, it's a perfect time. I mean, we got three games, you know, this one and two more before we go into conference play to kind of measure ourselves and to be able to play a nationally ranked team. I, I think it's a great advantage to say, where are we? Okay, do we have that much further to go or can we really build on this? So it gave us a chance to measure ourselves. I think we did a good job and you know, hopefully if we can keep things going that, that you know, people start taking notice of, uh, of what we're doing. You guys came out, certainly were aggressive, uh, put your foot down on the game, essentially. Uh, you and I were talking before we started this. seemed like you guys were up the game speed a little faster than Scranton did. Got your lead out to 14 in that first half at one point. Did you sense at any point that you guys were actually in control of the game or just able to keep Scranton at bay? 
I don't think a coach ever thinks I got the game control, <laughs> no matter what it is. Sure. Uh, I, you know what I tell the guys at the game, I felt like they played the game to win from the opening tip. And even when Scranton made a run and it seemed like we were kind of on our heels, I felt good about what we were doing. Um, I thought we were in a pretty good position defensively. We, did, we didn't rebound at times, but you know, offensively we were trying to take some time off the clock. We were trying to put the ball in the guys' hands that we wanted to. And you know, for the most part, we did that. Um, you know, that, that's what the you know, game comes down to. We made some shots, and when big games, you got to make shots. And, and, and that's how, how our guys did that. Willis had a solid game at point. Uh, Anderson had a really nice first half. He had a couple shots late in the game that were a difference. Butler had to sit for about eight minutes in the second half with foul trouble. But you found other guys. It can hit a couple of nice shots for you guys coming off the bench. You found other places that guys could kind of fit in. You're not just about a couple of handful of guys. You're really deep on the bench, too. Well, our guys find something to help us win, I think. You know, we, we got good shooters in almost every position. Um, you know, I think that, that really stretches the floor and opens it up a little bit. Um, you know, I thought defensively we were really sound. Um, we battled with them on the boards, which which I thought they were a good rebounding team coming in. Uh, we took care of the ball, and, you know, we play team. I mean, we, we got five guys that we have confidence with at any point in time on the floor. I mean, Diaz makes two shots in the first half. He's really struggled in the in the first, first semester. Uh, I thought those were two big shots to kind of kind of bring them to the table, so to speak, and say, okay, I can make I can make these. And uh, those were huge in the stretch where we kind of stretched the lead a little bit. So we had great contributions from a lot of different people and, and guys that uh, are still feeling their way in college basketball as freshmen. How do you adjust now? you got Hamden Sydney still ahead. How do you get the team kind of to stay focused on the task at hand? This is a big win. You could have a letdown against a tough Hamden Sydney spot. How do you guys keep them focused and maybe get out of here with two really good wins? Yeah, you know, that, that's a trick of the coach, right? Yeah. You know, so we talked about it after the game, and the first thing I told him is that you played to win this game. Right? Don't. Don't don't over celebrate. This is what we we came here to do, and we had confidence that we could do it. And you know we were fortunate to to, to beat Sydney. Now we've got an opportunity, another opportunity tomorrow against a team that's undefeated, a team that's in good position in their conference. You know those things weigh heavily when it comes down to you know March. If we're fortunate enough to get that opportunity, you know have these wins with with teams that are, are maybe make it to the national tournament. Where do we where do we stand against them? So our guys understand that, and uh, you know letdown is always possible at any time of the year. And, it's all about progress and growth, and hopefully hopefully we can communi communicate that and get them there. And looking ahead at the NAC, not the toughest conference. Certainly that's been the knock on you guys. You go rolling through the conference. It hasn't been as strong as maybe you guys would even like it to be. How do you tackle that conference? Do you guys need to just keep your foot down and use these games in March? Or is there something you can learn from the conference or even gain experience in the conference that will help you come March? Yeah, I'm a believer in any conference, anywhere, whatever level, every conference game's a battle. And do we go in with, with a piece of the puzzle that we like? Yeah, but, but it's still a battle. You go on the road in any conference game and you're going to face struggles. You're going to, they don't, they're trying, they're battling just like we are. And so I think you gain a lot through the year. I think, you know, the big thing is for us is, is just keep playing and progressing. Uh, build a resume that we can feel good about, put ourselves in position in the conference tournament to, to host and, and get back to the NCAs. And, and hopefully we've built a resume that puts us in the right spot and, and we've built confidence with our guys that, that, that a belief that they can play at that level. And I think this is a big step forward for us. Before we let you go, we always want to know what the teams are doing when they're in Las Vegas. Uh, first off, though, I want to know how you guys got here. <laughs> Bangor might have a really big airport <laughs> space-wise. It's not a big airport in destinations necessarily, especially in the middle of December. They just don't know what they're missing. <laughs> well, I, we, we can argue that later. But what, how did you guys get here for starters? What was, it, what was the travel yeah. like? Yeah, so we left, uh, you know, in the morning on the 26th, drove down to Boston, and then through, flew through to Detroit and. Got in here pretty smoothly at 9:30, and um, and we had a practice the next day in the morning. We worked out, and um, 
you know, we, we took in the UNLV game last night and spent about an hour on the strip just to give the guys a sense of, you know, this is why we come to experience yeah. the things and got a good night's rest and whatever we did seemed to, seemed to work. So we'll, we'll try to keep that, that well, task at hand. You'll then play Hamden Sydney and then you're going to still have another day to kind of enjoy the sights and sounds. Yeah. Anything on the docket? No, we just uh, give the guys some time to explore and, and uh, you know, do the right thing. and. Yeah, well, I think it's a big believer. We got we had two or three guys that have never flown before. Okay. I think we. I don't think anyone on the team's been to Vegas before. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer as a coach. Education, education is about providing opportunities and experiences. And I think traveling is one of those things that everyone needs to do to really get an understanding that there's a bigger world out there than whatever world we live in. And uh, you know, so our guys really appreciate those opportunities, and and we'll uh, we'll try to make the most of it. And, and the guys really appreciate the opportunity. And of course, you'll celebrate. You were telling me the new year. Technically, you'll celebrate the East Coast one while boarding the plane to then just actually celebrate red-eye back to Portland. Yeah, we've got the red-eye back, but it uh, gives us a little more time on that last day. Sure. And we'll bring in the new year kind of, you know, as we board the plane uh, on the East Coast. But, you know, as I tell the guys, I said, you know, that you've got plenty of New Year's to celebrate. You get 100 games in your college career. You know, this is an opportunity for you to put on a uniform and, and, and make something happen that, that we've been talking about. And, you know, I think so far things have gone well, and hopefully we can finish off the trip. Of course, that was of course that was Wayne Caruso um, from uh, uh, Husson. I want to congratulate them on the win, and then of course then they they took on Hamden Sydney. Uh, this interview took place after the Scranton win. Then Hamden Sydney uh, was their next foe. And they had a thrilling end to that one. We'll let you check it out. The last 13 seconds, natural, won't call over it, but basically uh, Husson down one, inbounding the ball with 13 seconds left. Here's how that one played out. you got to enjoy that a little bit it, it broke up more than I expected so I apologize but obviously a big shot for them uh, Butler hitting the three to beat Hamden Sydney it did beat the buzzer by a good margin it was halfway to the basket by the time the mar the, the buzzer went off so Husson is undefeated you gotta figure they're gonna get some top 25 love I can tell you right now Pat Coleman and I will probably be putting them in our top 25 ballots. I'd be hard-pressed to believe there won't be others. But here's the thing. There has been so much going on the last few weeks. I think the top 25 is one of those, huh, I don't know how this one's going to play out type scenarios. Another team that caught our attention was Wisconsin Lutheran, who certainly played good basketball as well. And they've got a player on their team worth talking about, Jake Jarnago. 35 points in their first game and the win. Uh, and Pat Coleman caught up with him after the game as well. And we thought it was certainly worth uh, listening to him and his take on the team, his performance, and, of course, Vegas. First of all, um, take us through, I guess, kind of the last couple minutes of regulation and then overtime because uh, I know at, at one point you were playing with just one eye, or not literally one eye, but just one contact. Yeah, I mean, final minutes of regulation, the contact kind of got knocked out. And it just wasn't right in my eyes, so my vision was kind of kind of blurry. But, uh, you know, overtime and regulation, you know, it felt like we were up both times with, like, a few minutes left, and they just kind of found a way to claw their way back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overtime, we kind of had the ball. And at the end, there, I was able to knock them down. 
You finished with 35 points. I know I think it's 25, something like that at halftime. And then the second half, they've changed things up on you a bit. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of expecting that coming out of the half. Um, they denied a lot more. Just focused on me, but, you know, my teammates, we were kind of able to scrap and find a way to win. Good enough buckets. In overtime also, uh, you know, I know uh, Jim Moreau's kind of tightened up and he didn't play for you guys after the regulation. Yeah, um, he's kind of had issues. With, uh, he hyperextended his knee a few weeks ago and I think he kind of reactivated that. But um, Nate Seamers came off the bench. He had a really good game for us. So uh, what do you think about Las Vegas so far? Um, it's been a blast. Um, it was good to get a win. You know, uh, Coach has been telling us it's a business trip. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're focused on tomorrow. Have you done any non-business uh, non stuff so far? Um, so we, this is our third day here. I keep forgetting how big the Northern Athletics Collegiate Conference schedule is. You guys have played eight conference games already. What's the, how's the conference shaking up, uh, shaping up the way you guys see it? Uh, well, so far we've been dealing with a lot of injuries, so we're kind of, you know, below. There's a lot of parity in our conference, so every game is a battle. We're just looking to put ourselves in good position for Because I remember last year that conference tournament had a lot of parity in it, too. Right, yeah, we were an eight seed, and we played the one seed. I mean, they beat us pretty well, but in the regular season, both of our games were extremely close. The, um, you started, uh, well, at least you started your collegiate career uh, at Wisconsin Whitewater. How did that, you know, how did, they, how did, you, how did that transpire? How did you end up at um, yeah, Coming out of high school, I intended to go to UW Whitewater, and, you know, I was on the team for a while, and I just kind of got burned out. Uh, took a year off, transferred here to Castle for my junior year, so this is my second year here. Yeah, so you're, a, you're listed as a junior, but you could play two more years, it sounds like? Um, well, I have eligibility for next year, so one more. Okay. It was fun to watch uh, Jarnico play. It was fun to watch Wisconsin Lutheran play. Skip Noon's got a good team on that squad. They certainly um, ha uh, had their challenges, and, uh, and I tip of the hat to them for how they performed at the D3Hoops.com Classic. Of course, the other team that had everybody's attention was the number one ranked FDU Florham women's basketball program. Coming in, winners of 41 straight games. They were 8-0 um, on the season, having been 33-0 last year as defending national champs, or champs, obviously. Last loss coming in 2013 uh, against Widener in the uh, first round uh, of the basketball tournament uh, in 2013. So clearly, um, you know, this was something to, to, that, that was an eye on. We, and we were putting them up against Stevens Point. We were putting them up against Platteville. They had to come from behind the first half against Stevens Point. They had to come from behind in the second half, not looking good, against Platteville. And then Lee Ann Lively caught fire. She was 4 for 5 to start the game from beyond the arc. One on an 0-5 or 0-6 stretch in the middle from beyond the arc where she couldn't hit a shot. And then she blew up. And one of the moments she hit a shot, got hard fouled. But the most crazy moment was when she got mobbed by her, on the ground, mobbed by her coaches and players, teammates, it looked like she was more scared about that than the hit she took. Lo and behold, though, she certainly played really good basketball in that game, scoring 26 to help the Devils on to their 10th straight win of the season, 43rd straight win overall, and Pat Coleman caught up with her after the game as, uh, as well, and here's what she had to say. You, know, you started off hot from three, had a stretch where uh, cooled off a little bit, and then just finished completely on fire. What's it, you know, is it? What's it like when you're feeling those those couple shots rim out, and you want to get back out there and shoot? Um, it's definitely the shooter's mentality. You gotta. I know my team will tell me day in and day out. I miss one, the next one's going in. You just gotta keep on thinking the next one's going in. And the rims, you have to get used to the rims. Soft shots, hard shots. 
the next one's going in regardless. That there was one obviously where uh, you were uh, you hit the shot right in front of your bench. You were fouled, and uh, it gave you guys the lead. And your entire bench came out and looked like they were about to mob you there. But seven and a half minutes left in the game. Yeah, definitely my team. Always when I shoot and I go down, I know my players on the court are going to help me up. And if I'm close enough to the bench, I know that they're all going to help me up too. Actually, because it was a pretty physical game today, uh, there were a lot of uh, a lot of times that your teammates hit the hit the hit, hit the deck, and uh, I saw that with uh, other players as well. Yeah, we run like if one of our girls goes down, we're the first to help them up. We gotta get them up, get them moving. They're shooting foul shots, get them settled, and on to the next play. You made yourself really known for your offense today, but I know defense is the bread and butter of this team. Yeah, we're always we want to get up in people's shirts. We want to make people turn, turn over the ball, but if I can give my team the offensive boost, then we all want to get back on defense. So I, I know uh, I was looking through, uh, you know, you're one of the few players uh, not from New Jersey, and I think last year you might have been the only player not from New Jersey, but you have an FDU connection. Yeah, my mom, she's an alumni from the TNET campus. Okay. So it was definitely, she's a psych major from there, I'm a psych major from the Madison campus, so it was following my mom. And so what's it like kind of, you know, so you kind of had already selected to go to Florham based on academics uh, and basketball is just a, a, a fortunate happenstance, I guess. Yeah, it's an added perk. Yeah. Um, I'm lucky that Coach Mitchell recruited me. And then I got to follow my mom as well. Okay, so uh, now knowing you're a psych major, I, I got to ask this question. Uh, you, you guys are, are, you know, obviously ran the table last year, won all 33 games, uh, started off 10-0 this year, defending national champs, number one team. You guys play with that target on your back all the time. Does that feel any different this year compared to last year? Um, it's a little different this year because we know that people are gunning for us. To have an article, some team be the number one team in the country, that's huge. Like, we know that every team wants that article. So we play as if any team can win on any given night. So we gotta, we always gotta come out. We sometimes start off slow, and it gives us all a little heart attack, but we always manage to pull through. Well, in both teams here, Stevens Point and Platteville uh, had the lead on you guys. They both had uh, a shot to knock you off. Yeah, I think they're both great teams. Um, Thank God, my threes went in today. They sure did. Um, it helped us, it gave us the boost and the energy. But we don't want to fall, and that's the bottom line. We don't want to fall. You, uh, you're very easy to spot on the floor. Uh, you got the neon yellow, uh, you know, all sorts of places. How does that? Uh, how did the, How did you uh, choose that? How'd that come about? I feel like that's the most obnoxious color, <laughs> and I just, I'm a very. My team knows I'm like loud, <laughs> and I love just being that obnoxious person. So nice. I feel like that color made it happen for me this year. You are part of a big senior class, and there's only a couple of freshmen. You know, what's it like mentoring those uh, those younger players, bring them along, and just kind of teaching them what it's like to play college basketball? Yeah, they're our little babies. They're <laughs> definitely, and they're small, so they're just we coddle them. Um, <laughs> We definitely, because there's five of us leaving and there's only ten girls, they're going to be the team next year. Like, we yeah. need to get them ready. We need to put them in the positions where they're uncomfortable. During practice, we go at them hard. And they give us some, too. They go at us just the time.
So as a psych major and working on your psych degree, what's uh, what's in your future after this year? I think I'm going to go to grad school at Fairleigh Dickinson, like my mom did. <laughs> um, and hopefully I'm going to be around. I'm going to catch a couple games, but I'm certainly not ready for the season or to start my last semester of undergrad. I'm not ready. Well, at least a guarantee of at least 15 more games to go. And if they play like they did this weekend, perhaps many more. Cutting that off just a little bit. No rough edit, as it were. But thank you to Pat Coleman for those interviews. Leanne Lively for her time as well. FTU Florham's a good basketball team. They don't play it like you normally would expect them to. They are certainly in your shirt, as Leanne put it. Uh, they are aggressive. We'll see how they do. They got through the toughest part of their season at, in, in, in Las Vegas. They go into conference play. You know somebody from the conference and the Mac Freedom would lock Love to knock them off, and they and our teams who are capable of maybe doing it if the Devils fall asleep. But they are 10 and 0 in the season. They are 43 and 0 in the last two years. They are an impressive team, and certainly I think one you got to keep an eye on as they continue to motor along. Going to take another break. When we come back, we'll get to those interviews we told you about. Hoops uh, Amherst men's basketball coach Dave Hickson. The Richard Stockton basketball coaching staff of Gary Matthews and, and Scott Britton. And, uh, of course, Glenn Robinson. We talked to many of those after their recent games. Did not catch those coaches uh, the last set after their game today. That was on Saturday. Of course, Glenn Robinson, an exclusive interview after he won his 880th game as a head coach. That's all coming up here on Hoopsville. And, when, and we'll talk to Pat Coleman as well. Probably going to go a little bit into overtime, everybody. But uh, I don't think we can all handle it, can't we? You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself you know, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built.
Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. And the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville. I am Dave McHugh. Obviously, we were pre-recording this. This is certainly not live. I'm joined by Coach Dave Hickson from number 15th ranked Amherst Lord Jeffs. Just got the chance to watch them play against Goucher in a thrilling overtime game, though I don't know if it's necessarily thrilling for the Lord Jeffs head coach. You guys survived basically here in Baltimore. Yeah, we did, and we survived up when we played Drew as well. We, you know, we down 11, came back at one by four, and you know, it's all good stuff. Right? You know, you got to have the W's if you want to get where you want to get. But the learning experience that these kids went through for to, to have to hit a big shot, mm -hmm. to go into overtime, and then, you know, not comfortably certainly, but to give yourself some space in overtime and maximize possessions. This team's going to get better. Well, that was the thing. You guys had an open look at a three against McCarthy, or McCarthy had it, I should right. say, against Goucher at the buzzer to force overtime. Otherwise, this is a loss. Right. Um, big shot for a guy like him. And, and yeah. you and I were talking before the game, you don't have a lot of upperclassmen, so a lot of these... Underclassmen are learning the hard way. Right, and, John, and Johnny, you could see he took the ball to the hoop toward mm -hmm. the end and made a couple yeah. of really big plays. But he's one from nine from three. And, and ordinarily, he's a very good shooter. He's about 35, 36%. Uh, you, know, you can see in general, we missed 22 threes tonight. And, and although that sounds really bad, it's 33%. We did shoot 11 for 33. Yeah. But, but we missed 22 threes. We were like uh, 15 for 29 from the foul line. So yeah. we got a lot of things to work on. We're better than our, our legs. When we were good tonight, I thought we were very good. Yeah. I thought we moved the ball. I thought we got easy baskets early on. We prepared heavily for presses. Drew showed a 1-2-2 two, two, full court, three-quarter court trap. Uh, I tell you what, I don't think I've seen a possession where Goucher didn't run 2-2-1, two, two, three-quarter court, didn't run against us. I've hardly seen a possession that they didn't run 2-3 zone. We prepared for it. Yeah, they didn't show that either. Show that either. <laughs> I it's noticed that myself. That happens, you know, so. Now, of course, coming into the Christmas holiday, you guys had lost two in a row. Right. Um, of course, one of them was to a really good Babson squad. Right. Um, and both were at home, you're right. right. And in both games, you guys were out of it late, or even in the second half, uh, 19 and a half point differences. You guys got a lot of time to think that over before you took on Drew and started this trip that included Goucher. Right. And we did, and I have to tell you, the great thing about the resiliency, the resiliency of the kids, 
Uh, they have worked harder in practice now. I think the first loss, Brandeis, as much as I hate to take a loss, I almost think we needed one of those for sure. We needed to get punched in the face because our guys, I think, thought they were better. They were reading the clippings. You know, we're not second in the country, and we're ranked second in the country. And yeah. I'm thinking, like, God, why would you do that to us, right? And then we lose two, and we only go to 15. I'm thinking, like, boy, they still think we're better than we are. And so, you know, it. Uh, they've practiced hard. They're a great bunch of kids. They do what we ask them. They're just really young and playing together. And you can see we're, we're up and down at our point guard spot. We're trying to figure that out. Uh, but we got some good pieces. These two games, you know, these two games were so different than the two games that we let just keep slowly slipping away, and it went from 7 to yeah. 15 to 19. You know, we're at Drew. We, we go down 11 to start the second half. We call a timeout, and I don't call a lot of timeouts. I don't call a lot of timeouts early because I just spent, you know, 15 minutes. Yeah, just talking to the guys. It sort of yeah. pisses me off that I have to, you know, call a timeout. <laughs> sure. But we called it, and I thought we'd almost cashed it in. And, and we came out and showed unbelievable resiliency. We had three freshmen and two sophomores on the floor, and we did it. And so... We're going to get better. We're going to have some rough spots. But I'll tell you what, these kids, I love them. They work, they, they work really hard. They listen. And we're getting better almost every day. Interesting enough, this is a, a bit of a road trip for you guys. You had Drew. You have Goucher. You have Eastern Connecticut ahead. Are you guys going to get home before you then hit the road to see Hamilton and Williams to start we'll conference? we Eastern Connecticut away as well. Right. Before that. Yeah, this is a, a, a we like to take a winter trip. Ordinarily, we go to North Heck Carolina, of Florida. Yeah, but, you know, we looked at it, and we're going to go to Italy in the summertime. Mm -hmm. and so we tried to do something that was a little bit less expensive, so we drove down the coast. And it was, I was really thankful that Drew would play us, and I was really thankful that Goucher would play us because you're here. But also, but also because Jeff Miller, who's Amherst Class yeah. of 76, is the AD here. And I have to tell you, the beginning of this thing, I, you know, the, the show that you put on during the introductions and stuff was just great. I, I loved it. We, I, I'll come back here again. It's, this is terrific. Well, I appreciate you coming. You, you then do have this conference action coming up. I should point out before we get there, this trip, you're in bands. I'm in not bands. sure the, the, the players love you that much. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're no, talking because there's more independence. Okay. Uh, I only have one kid riding with me because no one likes to ride with me. <laughs> and if it was a bus, everybody has to ride with me. And oh, so, okay. you know, most of the team gets saved. Uh, it's just easy to get around. And it's a, you know, a seven-day trip. And, you know, we went to Drew. We practiced down by Drew. We played Drew. Uh, we practiced there first. And then we, then we did a shoot-around. And then, then we, uh, we played them. And then we, went, we left the next morning really early. We went to Villanova, practiced at Villanova in their practice facility. Cool. We saw Villanova play Butler, which was, for a while, it was a great game for mm -hmm. two quarters. Yeah. And, you know, again, I'm telling my guys, watch what they're doing because they're patient. They're getting what they want out of this every time. And so hopefully they did. And we jumped in the car and drove down here, practiced here, uh, and here we are today. Yeah. So it's been a trip, but it's been a great trip. The kids, it's been bonding. We switch them up with roommates and stuff, and so they all getting to know each other better. And, this is what makes teams grow, and I'm, I love them. I'm excited for them. I pull my hair out sometimes, but, you know, I know that. And somebody, some alum called me the other night and said, you're going to earn your money this year. And I, <laughs> I said, well, that's all right, because, you know, I've, I've had an easy streak. Yeah, so yeah, a couple nights. At least it looks like it. You know? Sure. So it's fun. You do have conference play looming, as we mentioned, Eastern Connecticut next. Then you get into conference play with Hamilton and Williams. It's an interesting conference this year. It doesn't – you guys maybe are the top dog, as it were. Middlebury seems to be resurging again. Williams certainly lost a lot from last year. Um, Bowden, Bates is off, has had a good start to the season. Trinity's always lurking. You never know about what's – this is – it's a hard NESCAC to figure out. What's your point of view? understandably not into conference play. I think we get squished together. I think Bates is very good, too. Bates is the one team mm -hmm. that's beaten Babson by a point. Right. Uh, I think we all get sort of squished together. Wesleyan's a good team. 
uh, all of these teams that have sort of, uh, they're starting to come of age, younger teams that have grown older. And uh, so I think we get squished together. I think the thing about Williams that still makes them one of the favorites is that they have seniors. Yeah. They lost a lot. I give them that. But the one thing I knew when they lost those first two games and Chicken Little came out and said the sky was falling, <laughs> and they, were bar they didn't know what they were going to do. They were going to lose every game up there. Uh, no, because they got uh, Dan Wall. He's a really, you know, they got, they got three good seniors still. And senior leadership is what you need, and it's what we're now trying to develop, but we're developing it in freshmen and sophomores. And so they're going to be good. Bowden has a seven-footer. Seven-footers are tough to play. And they got a couple shooters around him, and so they're a good team. Colby, they got beat up as freshmen. They all stay together. They played as sophomores. They all stay together. And now this year, they're a good team. And so, yeah, the league is really crunched together. I don't think, you know, we won 38 out of 39 NESCAC games over the last three years, and that's not happening anywhere. <laughs> and so it's going to be a war. Tufts is very good. And everybody yeah. looks at Tufts and says, well, they got six losses. Well, look who they played. Yeah. Okay, that's the problem. And the same with Brandeis. When Brandeis came in and played us, I know they're not in our league. But, you know, they, they have a losing record coming in and play us, and they don't look good. Look but they, they played. Play. Yeah, it's unbelievable the teams they played. And so um, it's a process, and it's going to be fun. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I hate to have to travel to Hamilton and Williams to start it after Easton, who's very good. <laughs> but that's okay. We're going to grow, and, you know, if you can pick one or two of those games, and you're, you know, you're off and going. So that's what we're hoping for. Real quick, Aaron Toomey obviously was your all-everything guy in the last few years. You obviously had other parts that went with him, but he was the focal yeah. point. And certainly you and I talked a lot about his growth as a player over right. the years. So now the trick question, how hard has it been to replace that kind of talent in one position in one guy? Yeah, it's really hard, and particularly since that's sort of the position right now we're trying to figure out who is our point guard. Ray Berry, who's had you know four operations on his rotator mm -hmm. cuff, is healthy and coming back. I think he may help us there too. And Aaron Toomey's playing over in Spain, gets an elbow to the head. Mm. Okay, goes home. Yeah. You and me, we probably take five Advils, go to bed and die. <laughs> yeah. Well, he knows his body. He calls up and says something's not right. right. Rush him to the hospital, drill a hole in his head, brain surgery. I know. Drained his head. Uh, he's coming back to coach with us. When oh, we get great. back home, he'll be there uh, right after the Eastern game. And I think he's going to help with our point guards. I think he's going to help with our guard plays. I'm really happy he's coming back with us. And, uh, you know, he just loves basketball so much. And so I think he's going he's gonna to really help us. And I'm really happy that he's coming to join oh, us. Oh, absolutely. It's a great story that he's able to to move on and and of course you've been there you you gave me a hard time in starting lineups when i mentioned you you've been coach for quite a few years right um how is it just as enjoyable as it was day one is it just as enjoyable yeah. as it was when you when you kind of graduated and got the job yeah shortly well, it really is because well it's probably more enjoyable than when i first got the job because when i first got the job i didn't know what i was doing so much and, <laughs> and i like to think i do now but you know this is this this is such a great fun challenge with these kids and because they're really good kids, but they're freshmen and sophomores, and there's so much growth that's going to take place, and I'm really excited working with them. And so for me, I'm geeked up before every game. I'm nervous before every game because I want my kids to play well. But I go to practice, and, you know, for two and a half hours, I'm in a world that there's no place else like that for me. And, and you know, these kids make it that way. So, again, I, I'm really excited. I'm getting close to 1,000 games I've coached, which is a lot. And, uh, but it's fun. It, it wears on you, these games. You know, this trip, we had 4.4 point, I think it was, and, you know, but there you go. We're going to get better. We're going to get better. Trust me, I, I wouldn't want to play us in February. Need, needed a three at the buzzer to yeah, force overtime. Yeah, yeah. He did. Hey, you know I always do this. Uh, co uh, the, I appreciate you coming on. I certainly appreciate you catching here in Baltimore. Um, as always, we give the coach the last word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those on, on Hoopsville tonight? Yeah, I, just again, you know, I, I enjoyed this so much, and I think you're, the way you introed the players and stuff, that you just don't see that in D3. And so 
So they, they need to, you need to get out and maybe come up and do a couple of our games or somebody else. You need to spread yourself out and get around a little bit. I might be taking a trip. I'll let you well, know. There you go. You let me know, and I'll let you do it. You'll be our guest guy. And, uh, uh, and I want to thank you again for all the stuff you do to make Division Three national. And uh, you guys, your interest in it, the articles and all this, the coverage is truly amazing. Truly amazing. And I, now you're my Facebook buddy. Yeah, I know. And so I know. now <laughs> I, I know when you're with your family and when you're apologizing for not being with your family and on your trips and <laughs> well, all that stuff. And I really enjoy it. So. Well, thank you for uh, taking the time. I know sure. I took a, a bunch out of it. I know you got some plans, but thanks for joining me. And we'll uh, look forward to watching the Lord Jeffs down the road. Great. My pleasure. Dave Hickson here on Hoops. We'll have plenty more Hoopsville coming up. Don't forget, you can join us on social media at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com is your email address. You got it all. We'll figure it out. We'll have more Hoopsville coming up. Presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. And welcome back to Hoopsville, obviously on the road, pre-taped segment here. We're at Franklin and Marshall for the Spinagle Tournament, and I am joined by the number four ranked Richard Stockton head coaching staff, Jerry Matthews and Scott Bittner, associate head coach. And gentlemen, we're talking immediately following a thrilling battle with Lynchburg, a game that even you guys would probably admit was probably a little tougher than you probably expected coming in. We knew it would be a tough game, but we, 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 we wasted the first five or six minutes of the game. Then we wasted the first seven minutes of the second half. And we knew they came out the other day in a half-court trap to start the second half. We worked against it yesterday and whatever, but we looked like we never saw it when, the, when we actually started playing. It took quite a while for us to really start to get something against them. How much, uh, Scott, did that 1-3-1 one, one also kind of throw a curveball and you guys? They came well, out. We knew it was coming because they, they had done it two times on tape. And then the last game, the Penn State game the other day, they did it to start the second half. So we knew it was coming. And, you know, I, I, I didn't think it hurt us. I mean, it slowed us down a little bit. But I didn't think it really, really hurt us. But, of course, I was happy to see him go back to the game. <laughs> sure. Um, well, one of, one of the things that's – that, that there's an effect out there that we have to consider. Our point guard got hurt in game eight, and he's done for the year. Right. So that when we started that second half, I mean, the first three possessions of the second half, the two kids replacing them turned the ball over. 
and that gave them a good chance. That it gave them back the lead and let them start to take the second half a little bit under their control. Right. We have a lot of freshmen on the floor, so we're not recognizing right. the defenses as quickly as we would like. But that that and our decision making at times is a little <laughs> hazy. Well, speaking of decision making, interesting moment at the end of the game. You guys are leading by four points, really ready to ice the game. There's about what 50 seconds or so on the clock, uh, maybe a minute or so, and you're you're really just to ice the clock and and kind of hold on to it. You guys come out of a timeout and get a technical foul. Well, for I, knew, I knew a foul was coming, and we had two kids on the, sh on the floor that shoot under like 30% from the line, so I pulled them both out. Well, the one kid decided he was going back in. <laughs> yeah, six men on the court. You don't see that often, yeah. but you guys are telling yeah. me. We're Maybe up, it's a little more common in New Jersey than we realize. We're up four and we're 48 seconds to go, and here's yeah. your chance to make it six. Instead, they made both foul shots. It's two. Now you have to hold on to your hat because you know they're going to start yeah. fouling. Yeah, now it turns into a different ballgame. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then we fouled the end. Yeah, I was going to say, and then the very last shot they put up to try and tie the game, miss it, but you guys give them a high five at the top what, of the what, shot. What Josh kind of said is that when the kid shot the ball, he kicked his foot out. Oh. Like you see in the NBA. Uh -oh. And if the kid Reggie kicks Miller. his foot out, <laughs> they don't usually Except give them the call. Yeah. But if you don't see that, Right. They gave him the call. Yeah, unfortunately, I had my head slightly turned. I was watching the shot more than I was watching watching the play at the end of it. But you guys do survive. You stay, you know, undefeated so far in this one. You know, as we start into the 2015 portion, you obviously have one more game against. As we tape this, either Franklin and Marshall or Immaculata, got to be pretty thrilled with the way this season started. You know, we don't. We had a good season last year, mm -hmm. and we did lose four starters. And we only have, out of the 15 guys we started the season with, 11 of them were new. But two of the guys, well, three of the four guys that were back were really only part-time players last year. Josh Blayman was the only full-time player, so we weren't sure what we were going to get. But a couple of kids have played very well. Armin Kane has been a great addition. And yeah, you know, every everybody's been chipping in. It, but you know, the bottom line still comes back to having Josh have a good game. The great thing is we'll have three or four freshmen on the floor at times. You know, the the Newark game we had eighty minutes, eighty of the two hundred minutes were played by freshmen. So we have a we think we have a area to grow, which is nice. You you don't want to peak now. Right. You want to peak in February, March. The only call I would still want to go back and debate, Anthony Woodard made a great up and under move in the first half, and they called it a walk. And the guy insists that he change feet. We teach the move. I've been teaching that move for almost 40 years. <laughs> 400 years. When, when, we, when we played Newark, Blayman made the same move, yeah. and the referee called it a walk. About a minute later, he comes by the bench and he said to us, I blew the call. They told me it was a good move, which it was. And Anthony's was a good move. He ball faked, stepped back through with his other foot, and laid it in. Well, Lynchburg had one of those, too, where I thought it was a nice move in the paint. Got called for travel. It seemed to be rampant a little bit for everybody. First half, too. Tough game to yeah. officiate. I'm, I'm kind of curious. You, you guys have an interesting coaching style, so let me have a little fun with it, if you don't mind. You take a seat and relax, I noticed. Uh, I don't see the towel out as much as I used to see in the past. He's the one pacing the sidelines, and you're barking out stuff to him. This seems to work, though. Well, <laughs> About two years ago, my knee really mm -hmm. started to hurt. And I, I felt like I was, like he would always tell me I'm 100 years old. <laughs> I was afraid if I tried to stand up quickly, I would fall. 
and be a spectacle on the sideline. And you only, you know, a basketball play happens in a split second. Right. By the time I stand up and make sure I have my balance, you don't have it. So I need, he's, he's young, he's alive, he's into the game, and he's doing all the yelling and the screaming. <laughs> and I do occasionally chip in on the officials. Yes, right. and then we both gang up on them in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, the locker room must be a fascinating conversation for those for the players. Um, you guys, again, Richard Stockton seems to be resurging. I mean, a few years ago, certainly you guys were really good, then kind of disappeared for a little while. Certainly in NJAC play, you were a factor, but not in the national scope. Last year kind of seemed to be the coming out party. The win over Cabrini obviously was a huge step forward, and it seems like you're riding that a little bit into this year. Despite the youth on this team, you guys seem to be a player. Well, you know, part, part of when you say that we disappeared for a while, they changed how they selected teams for the NCAA. And our entire league mm -hmm. has taken a hit with what they do. There's been very few years our league has gotten more than the league winner mm -hmm. into the tournament. We've come in second like three or four times during that time period without getting in. Earlier, before they changed the system, our league was getting three and four people in. Yeah. Now we get one. Last year, we won the league with the only ones who got in. Patterson was 21 and six, and they got left out. The year before that, we got left out. And that's kind of the way things have gone with our league. Part of it is because there's a Division II league in our state right. that isn't a really good league. Our league's probably better from top to bottom. Sure. And they take a lot of Division III players. And we could be cheaper in price because of the way the financial aid works, but a kid will accept the scholarship with more money just to say he got a scholarship. So we'll lose kids to uh, Felician sure. and schools like that. And, you know, and, and they, only, like that. You know, they each only have to take one or two. Right. And it affects overall some of the balance in our league. Yeah, because like Scott said, you got Felician, you got Bloomfield, now you got Georgian Court. Uh, uh, Wilmington, Goldie Beacon. There was the other one. Yeah, Goldie Beacon. Caldwell. So that you lose six or seven players, the league looks a little different. And I will say this, there's been about three or four guys who did go to Bloomfield. Had they not, they'd have been playing for us. But you can't argue when they're offered a scholarship, sure. and yeah, you just keep hustling. Well, in this conference, you know, it almost feels like a pick 'em every year. I mean, every year I hear who everyone thinks the favorite is, or who might fit, may, you know meet in the middle of the pack. By the end of the season, it is not even close. It seems like it, you guys are really in a dogfight in this conference, especially now that it's come together as one instead of being the split division. That, that's where I feel like our league doesn't get any respect. Some of the leagues, the same team wins it every year. Yeah. In our league, that doesn't really happen. You know, it, we've won three out of the last seven. Patterson's won one or two. Ramapo won. I mean, different people. Jersey City won one. Jersey yeah. City won one and 11, I believe. So that other people are all competitive and going for the same thing. But again, most of the years, our second place team has been left out. One of the knocks, too, was that the, the conference wasn't taking advantage of the NCAA tournament, kept getting knocked out in the first round. You guys at least eliminated that. We won like that. the last 11 games in our nine. Game. Nine? Last, last, yeah, last at nine. At least you guys have, you know, you guys have gone on a run, yes. like run last year. That could change things just a little bit as well. Wow. The NJAC, the last nine games they won in the NCAA have all been by us. Yes, I know. Two and eight, five and nine, and two last year. 
And the problem last year was the kids acted like beating Cabrini was the national championship. Yeah. They forgot there were four games to go. <laughs> yeah. Right, well, we, we went ahead last year, nine or 11 and off, and sometimes that's the worst thing that can happen. Sure. Your kids get complacent. The next thing you know, you're in a game. So what do you guys think the conference is going to shape up? How do you guys stack up in the end, Jack? As we move forward and you pretty much have conference schedule looming. Let me just say, we're going to be in the hunt. Right. It'll come there's there's four teams that will be pretty darn good. Newark, Newark has had a play without their best player the whole season. They have to make a decision. Do they play him for half a season or do they sit him out for the year? Ramapo got hurt. They had their best player play one game and break his foot. So that changed their complexion for the season. But Rowan, like I said, is 9-1. and one. Uh, New Jersey City's looming, not with a great record. Patterson is 9-2. and Rowan's two. better than they've been. Yeah. 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 It, it, Camden's got two Division One transfers, and they have a kid who was the best player called well last year. Right. So, I mean, your bottom teams are better than they've been. TCNJ's got two really good players. So they're not, you know. Well, let me ask you this, Wrinkle. You talk about not getting that second team in. The Atlantic doesn't have a lot of representation in the past. Now the CSAC has come in and Cabrini, Gwyneth, Mercy, the rest, and now the Mac Freedom comes into play. How much do you think that can maybe help you? How much do you think that might hurt you guys as a conference? I never see it helping us. I, I you know some of the no disrespect, but we don't we don't think one of those leagues is that good, and a couple of people going to end up with good records, and I don't know if they will play the schedule. Some of the people in our league will have played. Sure. You know, the, the top teams in a couple of those leagues are the same people every year. Mm-hmm. You know, well, in our league, at least right now, the bottom dogs aren't dogs. Right. So, but it is what it is. You got to win. This win will help. Oh, yeah. Lynchburg, you know, you tap into the old league. Right. It comes yeah. from a great league. And, and, that's and whoever you play tomorrow will help. Well, right. the best thing would be let's win the league and there won't be any argument. <laughs> there you go. That's it. How many more years you got? You got you talk about the knee, you got him pacing the sidelines. Does it, is this longevity? Does this allow you to be there a little longer? <laughs> I refuse to speak on grounds that could incriminate. I, I figured I was setting you up. I, uh, at different times, I can't say different thoughts don't go through my head, but yet, you know, it's still fun. And I just make sure he gives me the meal money now, his meal money, so I get double. <laughs> nice. That works well for you on the way home. Hey, guys, I appreciate Thanks. you coming on. Real quick, before I let you go, though, I always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you guys want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, just keep rooting for us. No. There you go. <laughs> right. no, Division three basketball is a great product. Generally, it's, it's, it's the admission is cheap, so keep coming with Division three games. People don't appreciate how good D3 basketball right. is. No, you're absolutely right. 32, he's a Patriot League, Ivy League player if he wanted to be. You know, a lot of our kids are Division three students. And some of them could play at a higher level. You're right. You know, well, that's so. why we love it so much. Thanks for coming Thank on. You. Scott well, Bender and Jerry Matthews here on Hoops. We'll have play more Hoops on when we come. We Division three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things not even just participate in them but really get involved with them if you want to there's a lot of interaction Um, it's not just sitting back taking notes you're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major choosing a division three school I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus division three in athletics you know affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus.
and to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Dave McHugh here at Franklin and Marshall. Obviously a pre-taped segment. Just talked to Richard Stockton. Now getting a chance to talk to Glenn Robinson, now the sixth overall winningest coach in all of division, all of divisions in NCAA, passing Dean Smith with win well number 880 as you guys beat uh, Immaculata. Should note before we talk to him, we don't know the results as we're talking of the Sunday game, obviously, because this is pre-taped. But first and foremost, congratulations uh, on a pretty big milestone here in, in coaching. Thanks, Dave. As you know, most coaches aren't thinking about that stuff. I mean, here we're in a tournament. We're just trying to get to the championship game. Uh, it happens to be Stockton that won. They're number four in the country. Yeah. So uh, that's taking most of our, sure. our emphasis right now and should. Um, but it is uh, a tribute to all the players we've had at Franklin and Marshall. I mean, we've had so many great kids that are, that are off doing great things in society. It's not just about basketball, but the type of people they are. And so we're really proud. Of them. I uh, kind of heard a bird tell me that you really didn't think you'd get to this mark this year. <laughs> Even though you only had to get to 10 wins, you have a really young team. What's a testament to be able to get to it undefeated at 10-0? and 0? Yeah, uh, seriously, I, I would have bet my house that we would not be 10-0. I, I would I would have thought we would be lucky to have two wins at this point. Uh, if you took us, say, two weeks before the start of the season, uh, we hadn't settled on a lineup. We had eight new players on the team. We were not practicing well. We were not playing well. We had so many holes in what we were trying to do that, um, you know, it's like the, the Dutch boy trying to fill 11 holes yeah. in the dock, uh, in the dike, and he only has 10 fingers. So um, I really didn't think we had a shot. And then we got a little fortunate because in our first game, uh, Washington and Jefferson, the other team uh, was missing two key players. And so they just weren't at full strength, and that enabled us to get off to a good start in the season. Uh, in doing so, we had changed the lineup, and we had immediate success with yeah. the changes. And so they started buying in. They started playing harder. Our defense has always been a work in progress, but they're working hard at it. They're really trying. And so um, it's just like one game at a time like i don't know how the heck we're going to win this thing but we're going to go play hard and then they find a way well, and it's, it's been like that 10 times well it's interesting because you've got a lot of freshmen who are stepping up into roles that certainly as freshmen you probably weren't planning on having them step into you've got big side inside presence that maybe you haven't had in a few years that certainly is developing outside shooting you've got a nice what seems to be on paper and what i saw Nice, well-rounded game right now. Well, we do have balance. We do have inside-outside. Uh, Brandon Federici, our one freshman, is, is a scoring machine, yeah. and um, he can be stopped, but 
it's going to take a lot of emphasis from the other team to do it, and theoretically that's going to make it easier for our other players. Uh, we definitely have good inside scoring with, with Cedric Monet and with um, Morgan Lee, and, and really Lionel Alana is very capable. He did not have a particularly good game this evening, but he's been playing well for us. And uh, we, we have a sophomore named Lior Levy, and he's a scoring machine uh it just he's he's got to learn the defenses and 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 we have to get the right matchup for him but he's really capable of being a big scorer last year was a tough year for the program the year before you guys were kind of recovering from Giorgio the milligan years where he, he was such a presence for you guys what's different now than maybe a few years ago with this program in the sense of talent in the sense of maybe even uh capabilities on the floor well, I, I didn't really think we had a tough year the last two years. I mean, the year before we won the league, and, right. and uh, you know we had our national ranking, and then last year we won 17, and we had two players uh, make first team all conference, and we lost our best player uh, six minutes into our first game. So, really, I thought the kids did really well last year, and and the five years prior to that, they were champions every year. So, um, this year, um, you know, we lost two first team all conference kids. Um, we lost a couple other players that had big contributions in other ways, leadership and so on. And as I said, we had eight new players. We had no idea how we were going to do this. Like in the middle of the summer, we didn't know our lineup. We didn't know our key players. We didn't know we were going to be starting two freshmen and playing two more huge minutes. Yeah. And um, it just uh, its one of those things that's evolving uh, even as we speak. I mean, tomorrow we've got another huge challenge, and you know, we'll have to see if we're up to it. I, I, you know, I can't predict because uh, they're already so far beyond what I expected of them that it's just uh, really gratifying, frankly, to see all these young kids stepping up and, and finding a way each night. And you saw the game tonight. It wasn't pretty. It, it wasn't an artistic success. But somehow or other, they figured out a way to come out and score more points than the other team. And that's really the name of the game. What's significant? Win or lose, obviously, we're taping this again, airing this Sunday night. The game will already have happened. But win or lose, you've got conference play coming up on Wednesday you get right into the meat of it in the centennial and it's it's interesting this year I mean, dickinson's coming off a terrific season from last year obviously johns hopkins has kind of re-emerged again as a, as a good team mcdaniel's on that doorstep gettysburg is tough washington college you can never count out the shoremen swarthmore got a big win over roanoke this weekend you've got a lot of interesting components in the in the conference this year what are you expecting from conference play this year as you hit the last 14 games? Yeah, well, conference is always tough. Um, even teams that don't have outstanding records, when you go to their place in the conference, we have really good coaches in the conference, yeah. and, and we have a lot of very in, highly intelligent players. So when they get scouting information, they, they put it to use, and so it really makes playing those teams difficult. Uh, we're fortunate. We already beat Hopkins at Hopkins. Yeah. We beat McDaniel here. Right. And last year, even with Dickinson's great year, we beat them two out of two. So um, they're all going to be hard. I mean, absolutely none of those games is easy, was easy, or is going to be easy. So uh, we know it. So Swarthmore is the next one, and they're improved. They're playing several freshmen, six, eight freshmen, two guards that are really, really high-quality players. So they're going to be a better team than we faced last year, and last year was no picnic. So um, we know it. It's just going to be tough. It's on the road. Um, this tournament should toughen us up even more so that we're ready to play anybody, anywhere.
Thanks for the segue. I was going to bring up the Angle <laughs> Tournament. I looked at the schedule, and hold on a second. Richard Stockton, Lynchburg, even a tough Immaculata squad. Yeah, absolutely. Coming here to, uh, to your your place to play this tournament. This is this is a great challenge, especially at this point in the season. Did it kind of just fall in your lap, or were you guys starting to look around for teams that can maybe make that challenge? Well, we always look for the toughest teams yeah. we can get, and typically this tournament is loaded with teams uh, that are national caliber. Uh, this year kind of went even beyond because Lynchburg is better than expected. You know, they they had had a history of that, but they're obviously good and getting better, so they're going to be terrific. That that first game with Stockton was just absolutely anybody's game. Yeah. Went down to the last, what, 13 seconds. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. And um, so they're really good. Immaculata was undefeated in their conference. They had won four out of their last five coming in here. And I'll tell you, after experiencing it, they are difficult to play. They really, they have, they have like six different defenses, and they change them all throughout the game. They get something working. They stay with it. As soon as you figure it out, they go to something else that's difficult. Um, and then with all those offenses, Offensive rebounders. They're really hard to play. Let me circle back to 880. You passed Dean Smith. You were tied with him sixth overall. I know Dean Smith holds a certain place in your Certainly heart, uh, in your coaching world. What's it like to pass him? It might be heartbreaking and heartwarming all at the same time. <laughs> Uh, it's actually a little embarrassing uh, because uh, there's really no way that I should be in the same sentence with Dean Smith. I mean, he's just to me the greatest coach that ever lived, uh, and an even greater human being. Um, I was just so fortunate to get to know him. And he opened opened the vault for me. I mean, they basically shared everything they did. And I went down there multiple times, the one time for a week. And um, I mean, I just can't sing his praises enough. I mean, obviously was an innovator, obviously was extremely successful. And he could have probably had a thousand victories. I mean, he quit as a fairly young guy and and could have won a lot more games. But I think he wanted to pass it on to Bill Guthridge. And uh, I I just think he he did it for other reasons other than the fact that he couldn't coach anymore. And um, so anyway, it's uh, I, I hope all this does is just shine a light even more on his career and what a great person and coach that he was. Coach Shevsky's a little over 100 away. He's still coaching. Any chance you think you can catch him? <laughs> no. They, they play like 44 games a year, and we play 25. And uh, oh, by, oh, by the way, Duke is pretty good. Uh, so, no, there's no hope of that. <laughs> um, really and truly, it's never been about the total wins. I mean, it just hasn't been. Um, it's gotten a lot of publicity lately, so I was aware of it because Mickey's rating it up in every program and my wife's keeping track at home on the on the whiteboard and so you know it, it's around me everywhere. But that's not the reason you coach. And uh, again, I really think the way to look at it is it's just a reflection on all the players that have come through Franklin and Marshall over the years and, and all the games that they were able to win. And a lot of them, I probably made, uh, you know, a hundred more mistakes coaching than they did playing, but they they bailed me out yeah. with a win. I talked to Dave Hickson earlier in this show. You two both had the unique experience of being able to take over a head coaching job like yours at FNM and his at Amherst shortly after college. That is a very, that's a much rarer feat in all of college basketball now. So knowing that information, put you on the spot a little bit. Do you think there's ever going to be another coach who can accumulate the type of wins that yourself or a Dave Hickson can accumulate in their career, considering how coaching is now kind of 
put together and how you learn the ropes? Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's, um, it's definitely possible. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be. It's it's going to take the same thing that it was with me, and that is luck. I mean, you, you go someplace, you're not thinking of taking over the head man at such a young age, and the circumstances just worked around it that way where Chuck Taylor was our head coach, but he was also the head trainer for all of our sports. And so after my third year, he was asked to, to pick. What he, what was yeah. he going to do? Well, he happened to pick training, and so that opened up basketball. And, and as I've said this many times, but they like interviewed everybody on the East Coast that they could find, and none of them wanted the job, so they finally turned right, around we'll and, and offered it to me. Yeah. Um, so I was very, very young. I, I'm sure I was the youngest head coach in America at the time. And then we got lucky. Um, we didn't have a lot of players returning back in those days, but we got lucky with recruiting right off the bat. And that gave us some credibility so then we could talk to better and better recruits. I mean, if you're, if you're losing all the time, the good recruits don't want you in their home. They, they just, no matter how great your school is or whatever, they're, they're not interested. There's too many other winning programs that they can go to. So we got credibility early on, and that enabled us to get with better and better players. And a lot of them chose to come. And again, you're just not going to win without good players. When you, I've always gotten a sense that returning to the championship weekend, in particular Salem, is something that you guys really want to do, that you, you feel like you have unfinished business there. <laughs> Is, is that the driving force at this point in time? Is, is there a, a want, a need for F&M to be back in the spotlight at the Final Four in Salem um, before you, at some point, end your career, which I have not decided at all when that's ever <laughs> going to be. I can't figure it out. But does, is there a drive there to try and get back? Um, there's a drive, but it's not the driving force at all. I, I guess with your question, there's a want. Sure. But there's not a drive. Uh, that has never driven me. We've been to the Final Four five times. Right. And heck yeah, it, it is such a fabulous experience. Um, we were at several other places before Salem started hosting. Yes, and, then, and then we've been at, uh, been at Salem several times. And they just do a great job. They make it special. They make every kid feel like this is the best thing they've done in basketball in their life. So yeah, absolutely. I would love our players to experience that. And heck yeah, we'd like to win the national championship. But it, it literally is not at all what drives me. I, I just, um, th this year is kind of what drives me. And that is taking a group of guys that are really good kids and really want to be players. But don't have a lot of experience sometimes or have to switch positions for the good of the team and seeing what you can make out of it. See what you can do. Um, I mean, this is really gratifying being able to coach a team like this. Uh, we had no expectations at all. We really didn't. Uh, as I said, I thought we'd be lucky to win two games. I, I couldn't look at any game on the schedule and say, well, we'll win that one. <laughs> and we got fortunate early. We had a couple guys not play against us and got us going. And then, quite honestly, we're playing pretty well. And uh, part of every game we've played this year, we've played very well. And part of every game this year, we've looked like bungling idiots. So, you know, hopefully we can get the look really good, play really well, closer and closer to 40. Sure. And the bungling idiots closer and closer to zero. But we're, we're doing both every night so far. Well, congratulations again on win number 880, as you know, on this Hoopsville show. Uh, I always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who are watching? Well, I know other interviews I've done. Uh, D3 Hoops is the best. It's the first place I go every night after games. And so on. you just 
it's such a great venue. You can keep up with the, the whole nation. And, um, you know, it just, um, you guys have to feel good about what you're doing. And so the last word would be, you know, go to D3 Hoops and catch up on Division Three basketball because it's the best. Absolutely. Congratulations again. Glenn Robinson right. from Franklin and Marshall will be back with more Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division III school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result in my mind is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying our show here on the first Sunday edition of the Hoopsville season, as it were. It is January 4th. Of course, we'll be on the air Sundays and Thursdays. We are live now back in our studios. We'll be live on these shows 7 and 9 p.m. Eastern time. Though thanks to technology and upgrades to our studios and upgrades to other facilities and other uh, capabilities, we are now able to do pre-recorded segments, and I am so glad we were able to get out to Franklin and Marshall on Saturday to talk not only to Glenn Robinson on winning his 880th uh, total game, now 881 after beating Richard Stockton today, but we also got a chance to talk to Richard Stockton's coaching staff, got a chance to see Lynchburg in action, got a chance to see an Immaculata squad that was pretty good. You know, competitive, tried to, you know, never gave up a uh, team in action. Always nice. But again, got to do these interviews and want to thank the, the those for uh, taking the time to join us. Also, thanks to Dave Hickson for making the trip down to Baltimore just to be interviewed on Hoopsville and maybe to play a basketball game as well. They barely survived uh, as well. Lots to talk about in Division Three as we wrap up the show. Obviously, we're hitting the 9 o'clock hour on the East Coast, and that's normally when we wrap things up. But we wanted, as we start these Sunday shows and really are starting to take a look at the unofficial second half of the basketball season, of course, conference play being a major factor in that, uh, we, we wanted to bring in our uh, colleague, Pat Coleman, to the show to talk about uh, where things stand are, and especially as he's now got a chance to really stare down the basketball season now that Football is officially over for the man. Um, obviously, it was over a few weeks ago. Pat joins us via Skype. Pat, good to see you, sir. Yeah, it's working, right? It is. It, it is. It is working. Yes, thank you. All goodness. right. Hey. Um, <laughs> hey. Uh, when you look at um, the landscape, I've said on this show several times. Wow, this basketball season, especially on the men's side, is wide open. This could lead into a completely 
free-for-all NCAA tournament, which is which is cool, but we're going to be talking and complaining about tough matchups in the second round because there's going to be no way of avoiding them. What do you? What's your take on the season so far? Well, it's certainly been a crazy one, right? Um, you know, I, I, we've talked so many times about all the upsets that have happened in the top, you know, 10, 5, 3, 1 in the uh, men's poll, and we have a lot of questions about, you know, some teams that – are in that poll, some teams that aren't in that poll. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, a, still a good number of unbeaten teams who are, you know, trying to rise or, or might have yet to rise. You know, someone such as Marietta, uh, Franco Marshall is going to be on the rise this week, I'm sure. Uh, Middlebury, who's gone 8-0, but hasn't played anybody, hasn't played any of their tough games uh, in the NESCAC so far. Um, how about someone like Elmhurst, who's uh, 11 and one and uh, facing Augustana this week? Uh, there's just a lot of uh, a lot of great teams who uh, we're going to find out a little bit more about here over the next couple of weeks. But yeah, I feel the same way you do. I think I think it's going to be great for Division three men's basketball, especially the uh, just the the competitiveness at the top. It's going to make March real and predictable. Unpredictability is good. Um, Especially coming off the uh, 16 weeks of football we just had, it's nice to have something where some things are unpredictable, right? Yeah, I was going to say, you're a top 25 voter in both the men's and women's polls. You're obviously a top 25 voter in the football poll. I would argue that the football poll may be the easiest vote you have to deal with, at least the top half. Uh, The men's may be the most difficult vote anybody's got to face uh, with the women somewhere in between. And the women's has certainly gotten more difficult. I don't want to take anything away from football. Certainly trying to figure out the bottom half of that football is, is not easy. But the, you can almost pencil in your top 10 maybe sometimes with a little bit of wiggle room. But that's the interesting thing this year. The, the, the men's side of things, uh, what, 60 teams got a preseason vote, and we're still at a very significant number of teams getting votes. And I would argue we're going to even have more teams getting votes when we see the top 25 come out this week. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, football, of course, is easy. There's just one game a week. So that's in that too. sense, it's kind of easy. <laughs> and, and women's basketball, you know, those the top 10 teams, the really good teams, almost never get knocked off during the regular season. Right. So sometimes that's easy. Uh, sometimes it's not when you have a spot that you really want to find uh, room for someone like, say, North Central, who's, uh, you know, off to a, a 12-0 and start right. or something like that, or 11-0. 12-0, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, just, just crazy uh, things going on. Um, so, uh, yeah, on a men's basketball side, you know, it'll be fun. I think, for example, we saw two teams that played themselves into votes at the D3 Hoops Classic who didn't have votes before. Husson and Hampton Sydney yeah. uh, deserve consideration. I don't think Elmer's was Elmer's wasn't getting a whole lot of consideration before. I don't think Middlebury has any votes, and, yeah. and they're eight zero, and they haven't played the best teams yet. But you know that's still coming. Uh, there's a lot of teams out there that we could, yeah, legitimately uh, add to ballots, and maybe have um, not a whole lot of teams that necessarily played themselves out. There's certainly a couple. Um, but you know, not a whole bunch of them. So yeah, Middlebury got five votes. Uh, I'm looking at this and a bunch of others Yeah, it, that we've talked about. It didn't, um, you know, I got a chance to see Franklin and Marshall and, and, and was debating whether I put them in the top 25, then they go and beat Stockton. It's like, Oh geez, come on. Yeah. Let me just throw a go. whole nother hey. mess of teams into this mix. 
But they made it easier for you, right? No, I they mean, made it that's... harder. I think. <laughs> I think they made it harder. Oh, they made... If, if they had I lost, they to, if they had lost to Stockton, that's what I expected. I have an argument to maybe keep them out of the top twenty-five with their win only over Immaculata. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm fine with it. Now they beat Stockton, and I'm going, ah, oh, and and Lynchburg nearly beat Stockton, and ah, oh, come on, you know, you're adding more teams to the mix now. Yeah. Um, well, and as I was going through my ballot because I've already voted because. <laughs> Football's over, and I have to vote on Sunday. Um, <laughs> I have to vote on something on Sunday, sure. so just wait till baseball season rolls mm-hmm. around. Um, no, but seriously, you know, so Stockton falls, right? And then what do we do with Albertus Magnus, yeah. right? Because Albertus Magnus only, you know, they're uh, they they uh, they lost to Richard Stockton early yeah. this season. That's Stockton's really their only good win, right? Um, well, you know, try to re- try to. Yeah, but I mean Lynchburg. Okay. Okay, good in terms of ranked slash on a lot of people's top 30s, sure, right? Sure. Um, what else was going to say? Uh, oh, you know, trying to figure out, I really want to get Husson in the poll. Yeah. Do I have to put Bates in the poll? Bates lost a couple games mm-hmm. since uh, since we since we were since we saw Husson in Vegas. Uh, where do we put Hampton Sydney yeah. uh, versus Randolph Macon yeah. versus? Uh, Virginia Wesleyan Who? versus, I mean, if you want to consider Lynchburg or, <laughs> or even someone like Guilford, who's eight and three, I think something like that. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of games left to be played in the, uh, old Dominion athletic conference right. for sure. And they're coming up soon, but you know, Randolph Macon has been pretty quiet just cause right. they didn't go to Puerto Rico or we didn't <laughs> see them or they didn't play Emory this week, like, uh, Virginia Wesleyan did. Right. And yet, and yet, the uh, Randolph Macon's nine and two, so it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's gonna be fun. I'm looking actually looking forward to getting the poll back because the poll is kind of a pain in my butt uh, <laughs> with all the compilation stuff. But I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that back. Yeah, and this you're, week. and you've got more teams on that list this year than ever. You point out Randolph Macon at nine and two. Of course, seen them at the Hoopsville Classic, but since then haven't. They did beat Virginia Wesleyan. Okay, Virginia Wesleyan lost to Emory. Emory lost to Piedmont. Not saying Piedmont's getting votes, but what the heck. You know, it, yeah. it's one of those seasons. And and Emory, I mean, honestly, what Emory beat uh, Virginia Wesleyan by what, 14, mm-hmm. something like yeah. that? Um, and really, they were blowing the doors off of them until about five minutes left in the game. Uh, I mean, they really dominated. 13-point game, 77-64, but it was in the mid-20s late in the second yeah. half. Kind of like that uh, F&M Richard Stockton game on Sunday. Yeah, exactly. 20-point <laughs> point lead for... For FNM, looks like they're going to walk away with the game all of a sudden. Ooh, it's four points. <laughs> yep. Guess what? Got to play gotta all tune 40. back in. Yeah, got to play all forty. Um, and the North Central men beat Illinois Wesleyan. Uh, North Central yep. women beat Illinois Wesleyan. Um, you you point out the Albertus Magnus, you know, question now. Ohio Wesleyan gets spanked by Hope. Um, I'm trying to find yeah. the other ones that are jumping out to me. I mean, that's another that's another great one that made it really difficult for me to place. Ohio Wesleyan this yeah. week. And then, of course, I had to wait on Worcester because yep. Worcester lost to Ohio Wesleyan. And, you know, it's just it's all nuts. Yeah. You know, Scranton, we saw a split with Husson, barely survived the weekend in the cross uh, cross town matchups that they had uh, this weekend. Um, Eastern Connecticut's got Amherst on its radar for this week. Uh, yeah. Dickinson. Oh, but even let me say this, even Amherst, we, well, and even Amherst for that matter, right? Mm-hmm. Amherst lost two games, uh, I think sandwiched around our last poll, maybe, or right before our right last before. poll. Uh, and then, and then they, uh, you know, they didn't, they didn't dominate Drew and they struggled with Goucher, which I, I know has been talked about in the yeah. show already. Uh, and then this week they face Eastern Connecticut, Hamilton and Williams. And those teams are combined 28 and seven. Of course, all on the road, by the way. I mean, every single one of these games after their two losses at home have been on the road. 
Um, you know, so great test for the Lord Jeffs, but it doesn't answer any questions necessarily um, coming in. Uh, I mean, and then let's go to the women's side for a bit. After you, Florham solidified themselves. Uh, I think I would argue, without putting words into your mouth, I would argue I would have been impressed with one and one in Vegas, not shocked at 0 and 2, disappointed maybe, but not so, you know, one and one was what I was expecting. Uh, they they played I, a gr- really good set of games in one two zero. Yeah, I thought one of those teams would knock them off, right? Yeah. Because um, st- you know, style of basketball, right? Generally, up until last year with uh, the FDU Florham team, we saw teams in the Northeast and the Atlantic and Mid Atlantic kind of struggle against Midwest teams, right? Yeah. Uh, in, in big games late in the season, so uh, you know, it's a uh, what is it I'm trying to say. Um, I, I was surprised, definitely. I thought that, you know, we tried to match them up against teams that were good uh, for that very reason. We're very glad that they came to the D3Hoops.com Classic in order to get good competition. Um, and it did look, you know, if you looked at, uh, you know, at, at any point in the second half of, uh, of those two games, either one of them, they could have uh, they could have lost. They could have lost easily. I think that they'll probably run the rest. I think they'll probably run the table the rest of the season, barring some injuries or you know, strange travel schedules or that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, uh, I think beat a lot of teams in the freedom asleep too. Well, yeah. I I Uh, just, I just know know that Marcus, uh, uh, thank you. Mark Mitchell is not, he's still not happy with the way his team is playing. Um, so if, you know, if they were to take some team lightly in the freedom, it doesn't mean they couldn't get, uh, stomped on a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, and they're just not as good as they were no. last year. They lost their they yeah. lost their big post player, and that's what separates them from, uh, you know, some of the teams that they've right. or some of the teams that have uh, been deep in the bracket from this uh, from that part of the country before. And, and, that's all and Brown's to trying to step into that role. Uh, certainly, is an aggressive player in several ways. We'll see if that gets her in trouble down the road. The Dan sisters, good, talented, but man, how many injuries did we see? Or how many bodies did we see on the floor from that team? Uh, they they're walking a fine line, as it were. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and you know they have they have only ten players. They need them all to play, yeah. right? Um, and they're you know they they bring that relentless pressure. So you know they're gonna they're gonna tire kids out. Uh, they're gonna need to rotate people in and out. Um, you know, one key entry. Uh, you know, I mean, if if pick a day on if either uh, yeah. Kara or Kyra goes down that this team is uh, in significant trouble in terms of defending the national championship, probably still in a position to win the conference, but uh, defending the national yeah. title is uh, certainly different. And, you know, they just, um, they, but they, they'll, they'll pressure you 40 minutes long. And that's why I think that they uh, came out in the end, especially against Platteville. I think they tired Platteville yeah. out, uh, even though Platteville had a day of rest and uh, Florham was playing on back-to-back days uh, Steven's point, I think they kind of wore them down a little bit too, uh, not nearly, uh, to the same extent, but I, I just think that that's the, that's one of the things that they're going to do to teams and they're going to keep doing it. Yeah, agreed. Quickly, Thomas Moore, uh, <laughs> barely survive against Cabrini. Cabrini nearly the, uh, the king of the knockout after beating Scranton, uh, prior to that, but they barely survive against Cabrini. Then they roll Plattsburgh State and then Teal. And I, I know it's Teal, but they forced 43 turnovers. And only allow 41 points. It's ridiculous. Um, I mean, but they solidified themselves at the top, along with with the rest of this group. Uh, Amherst still playing good basketball. Tufts, Wash U, 
Yeah, Scranton took a loss, but they're still tough to play. Montclair State, I mean, the top of the women's is a who's who of teams you probably don't want to face right now. Well, I mean, Thomas Moore is a team that's probably not going to lose again in the regular season. Again, sorry, not again. It's not going to lose at this point. Right. Uh, they, uh, the W&J game, the W&J games will be the biggest test for sure. them uh, and probably the only test because the, the bottom of the pack, the President's Athletic Conference, just isn't very good compared to uh, Sidney Moss and Thomas Moore. Uh, they weren't very good uh, against them last year. 60-point uh, blowouts are going to be the norm for uh, a lot of their conference games. Um Scranton, yeah, I would I would agree with you. I'd still kind of uh, I would love to go back and watch the uh, Cabrini Scranton game on tape just to see exactly what happened. But of course, what 39, 37, something like that. Um, you know, things are things are going to happen, and Cabrini nearly, uh, like you said, nearly knocked off Thomas Moore uh, down in San Juan, Puerto Rico. So that's about 37, 35 was that game. Yeah. Um, and you know. So Scranton beat Tufts uh, by a significant margin, and that's uh, the biggest win for them this season. Uh, Tufts also likes to slow it down, so beating Tufts by 10 is like beating a normal team by 15 or 16. So um, I, I think Scranton's really good. Uh, who are we missing? I think WashU's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I still think Tufts is pretty decent. Uh, and Amherst got Megan Robertson back, so when she gets um, you know rounds back into uh, knocking the rust off and getting back into playing shape, I think Amherst is going to be uh, better than they were last year. Um, Montclair State, you mentioned. Yep. I'm looking forward to getting out and seeing St. Thomas here at some point uh, on the women's side. Actually, try to catch a doubleheader <laughs> because yes. they're both pretty good. <laughs> so um, just to see how that goes down. Uh, but St. Thomas is, is unbeaten, and they didn't play anybody super significant out of conference, but... Um, Oh, they played Warburg out of conference. I'm sorry. They have five non-conference games, not three. So um, they're, uh, St. Thomas could be as good as they were a couple years ago. This is the team that uh, – these are the freshmen from that Final Four team are seniors this year, if I do my math correctly. So um, there's, a, there's some people there who have been around playoff games, even if they didn't necessarily get a lot of playing time, in, and that helps more than uh, somebody who's never seen it. And you still got NYU, you still got Williams, George Fox, uh, Oshkosh, Hope. I mean, the women's side is certainly fun to watch. And and I, I will go back to a soundbite I heard from, or that Nancy Faye gave us uh, before the holiday break. And I said, you know, you haven't won a national title in a little while. You guys itching a little bit. You guys are kind of synonymous with national championships. What's the difference? She goes, because a lot more little girls want to play basketball and you we're starting to see that now in division three there are more teams more competitiveness on the women's side sure the top is heavy um but uh, i think we're seeing it deeper a little bit and that's fun to watch well that's good too because we need some of those players to trickle down um you know it'll take a while to trickle all the way down into the 300s and 400s uh in terms of you know where teams might be ranked but um you know, just to be in a position where some of those players kind of fill out, you know, teams in the rest of the 25 and now, you know, second and third best teams in conferences and just try to make Division Three women's basketball deeper over the over the long haul. You know, just to try to combat the stuff we were talking about where the uh, where the men's uh, top 25 is so volatile because teams are always capable of knocking each other off. And the women's isn't as much because there just isn't as much competition for the top teams. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, it'll be fascinating to see how these top 25s shape up. Um, I, I couldn't go much further without talking about Lauren Hill. Um, you turned to me uh, in Vegas and just kind of shook your head and she goes, she, she made Christmas. Look at this telethon. I mean, you 
Well, I I was impressed with your reaction. I think because I thought maybe it was just me. Um, maybe it was no, just on my yeah. side of things. Maybe I was the only one who's getting wrapped up in this thing. You're just as much wrapped up. I've got the jersey over my shoulder. I know eventually you'll have your jersey over your shoulder as well. Um, it, incredible. It, it really is. I mean, so for me, uh, having a 17-year-old daughter, for example, really kind of brings us all home. I can't imagine uh, what it would be like for uh, for my family to be going through something like that. And then to see just the strength and the perseverance of this young woman and, and everything that she has accomplished in you know, a little over two months, right? Two and a half months. Mm -hmm. uh, she's uh, uh, She's elevated this uh, ailment and other uh, childhood cancers to the national stage and it's become part of the national sports conversation. And there's a lot of, you know, the sports conversation talks about a lot of things. Um, there's a lot of room for, uh, uh, and, and, it, and it reaches a lot of people. Um, man, just the, you know, the thought that uh, she started this movement that raised a million dollars and and she and she's here and it's 2015. Um, you know, I think, um, I don't know if I've said this publicly, but I know I've mentioned this to you and to other people. Uh, I, I wrote my uh, I wrote my Lauren Hill obit probably about four weeks ago, um, because you know, as news people, this is what we do. Absolutely. Um, you know, you know, you you have it uh, sitting ready. Uh, if you know, you know, like Abe Vigoda, every newspaper probably has an Abe Vigoda yep. obit, or at least the Associated Press does, right? Because he's like ninety five thousand years uh, old. Quickly, um, a great example, Stuart Scott. Is he today. still alive? Do you think that 15-minute yeah. obit that they had with Robin Roberts had, was just pulled out? That was clearly done for weeks. That's a news thing. That is, yeah. I, I can't tell you how many and I had so, prepared at the station. Yeah. Uh, we, When I was at Baseball Weekly, we actually wrote – we ran a Ted Williams obit that was written by a writer who had died in the time since oh. uh, – writing it. So it was like a double whammy. Yeah. It was like, a, it hit us pretty hard. Um, but so my point is, um, I thought that, you know, we would need it any day, frankly. And, you know, 2015 comes around and she's still fighting. And so, man, Lauren Hill, unbelievable. You have done fantastic things for this world, not just for basketball, not just for division three. Um, so, you know, thank you for your fight and keep fighting. Absolutely. Well said. Um, as we look at the second half unofficially of the season, um, certainly we're getting into conference action now. Um, what are you, what are you looking for? Is there anything that you're keying on or is it one of those open book type things? Well, I mean, there's certainly a lot of things to watch for, right? I mentioned some of the teams and some of the games that are coming up that I'm really interested in. Um, you know, uh, just to start pulling out other teams like, uh, like the Warburg women, they face Luther this week. Uh, those, I think Warburg's nine and two and Luther's 10 and one, and I'm not sure how good either one of them are, but I, I really want to see how, uh, how that plays out. Um, and then I want to see, you know, just how some of these situations where we have upheaval, like, you know, Amherst, uh, where we have, where Cabrini, uh, you know, Cabrini with, the uh, what someone uh, referred to me, called it the, uh. Uh, the worst loss in the history of the program when they lost to Rosemont on Saturday. Yeah. Um, you know, does does Cabrini uh, put it back together? Do they have enough to make a run just around Aaron Walton Moss and the pieces around him? By the way, it's a knock uh, on Rosemont that is improving. Bobby Hughes, good coach. Oh, no doubt. I, I'm no saying doubt. it's too bad Cabrini thinks that way for a program that is up and coming. 
Yeah, no doubt. But it is, you know, it's it, it's hard. They were up big in the second half, right? Mm-hmm. And they uh, and they uh, and they really blew that. So uh, Rosemont, as as much as they're improving, they're still four and seven. So uh, and Rosemont had lost to Ursinus, and we know Ursinus isn't having a great year right. either. Um, so you know, those are the, the there's uh, still a lot of those teams sitting around out there. Uh, Stevens Point is another one, right, where they've lost a lot of guys from last year. And you know, are they going to be competitive here? Uh, over the course of the conference schedule and, and into late February, or are they not? Um, you know, there's uh, Calvin, oh. right? Oh. <laughs> super, super high, uh, crazy high, unrealistic expectations of them in the preseason. Maybe, I, um, I'm shocked. Well, you know, so, you know, they lost their best player and returned their second best player. And, you know, who knows, right? I mean, they haven't, uh, they haven't played a, a whole lot of conference games yet either um they haven't played uh, any conference no. games in fact so there's a lot to be uh there's a lot to be played there uh i mentioned elmhurst is elmhurst at 11 and 1 uh, legit dubuque dubuque is 10 yes. and 1 and their only losses to elmhurst yes so how good how good is dubuque and they play uh, central and warburg well, at say, home this week say, what about so, the iaac i mean we've already seen that univista central dubuque Whew. yeah yeah uh, so, yeah, to Central, Dubuque, uh, and then you know Warburg, who we saw, is probably middle of the pack mm-hmm. um, when we saw them at the tournament. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and then even if you go all the way to the uh, to the bottom, uh, if you, and I'm not sure where exactly the bottom is in Division Three, but the Upper Midwest Athletic Conference has to be pretty close to it. Um, you know, they start conference play coming up here. Uh, the conference's non-conference record is 12 and 62, and I think the best. Uh, the best record in that conference coming into conference play is three and five overall. But one of those teams is going to go to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And, you know, Northwestern, when they've won the conference, uh, a couple times they've given a team a game in the first round. They yep. uh, gave St. Thomas a game the year that St. Thomas won the title in 2011. I believe they gave Whitewater a game North, last year or the year before. Northwestern's so. played the, the eventual champion two, three, or four straight times, something crazy like that. And And as you point out, Played them well. Yeah, exactly. So you know, that's the thing about that's the thing about March, and it backs itself up into February. Yeah. And so, even though it's January fourth, and not a lot of people are uh, paying attention to Division three basketball today, uh, they will be soon. Yeah. And uh, hi, we're here. Hey, by the way, quickly, I saw you went to St. Catherine yesterday to catch a, a basketball game. Um, not yeah. a team. There's another team kind of on everybody's radar a little bit and 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 playing well. Well, St. Kate's has definitely improved. Um, you know, uh, let's see. So Sean Pinkerton, the coach there, I think is in his third year. Uh, you know, it's been a it's a women's only school in St. Paul, Minnesota. They have a nice small little gym um, that suits them well uh, and suits the campus well. Uh, you know, there's all of these, uh, division three schools in St. Paul, Minneapolis, mostly in St. Paul, uh, and in the surrounding area that you can't go, you know, more than eight blocks in that neighborhood of St. Paul without stumbling over McAllister or St. Kate's <laughs> or Hamlin or St. Thomas. Um, it's like Worcester, you Mass. Pra- yeah, you could practically walk from one to the other. Uh, maybe not today when it's minus one Ugh. here, uh, but but uh, so St. Kate's, uh, it will be interesting uh, for them in the future. They're they're definitely young this year, and they uh, lost a game, which I thought they uh, could have won on paper. Uh, St. Kate's looked pretty good 
uh, coming into the game. They only lost to Wisconsin Stout by seven points or something like that. And uh, they, you know, uh, they'd beaten Wentworth pretty happily, pretty, pretty handily, you know, and you and I saw Wentworth a couple times at the classic. So I thought that St. Kate's would compete, um, but they're young. They're really young. Uh, they have uh, a, a uh, freshman twin sisters uh, at guard uh, who are from Kenyon Wanamingo High School, which is out somewhere out there in Minnesota. Uh, the Clark sisters, who are freshmen, uh, look pretty good already. And then, you know, uh, four years of them, uh, a couple years from now, St. Kate's will probably be pretty good and in a position to make the conference tournament in the MIAC, where they take six out of the 11 or 12, however many play women's basketball. Um, you know, They'll probably knock somebody off. They already beat Bethel, and Bethel is a conference contender, uh, and they'll probably knock off somebody else over the course of the season. Uh, they might be a stretch to make the conference tournament, but they'll. Uh, I think they will in the future if everybody stays healthy. Your daughter didn't fall in love with the campus, did she? I know she loves some other ones. You didn't add one to the mix, did we? <laughs> no, this is my youngest daughter. Okay. This is our first trip. Uh, my oldest daughter, I mean, uh, attention, University of Chicago. We will be visiting on our college campus tour uh, sometime in the next few weeks. So, um, yeah. So if you have a, uh, 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 let's see, a, 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 a D3Hoops.com scholarship or something to offer, <laughs> she would. So far, she would love to go to the University of Chicago. I, but, uh, I have you know, a, maybe there are other places. I have a feeling her academics are going to maybe work out as it were for your uh, financial load as uh, she's a smart girl that is for the sh- that is well, the case i hope so Certainly. let me tell you because we're we're starting 11 years in a row of college yeah tuition. god bless you uh, i'm gonna hold my yeah. breath in the meantime hey uh wrap this up gotta let you go uh, mainly because i want to get going we're well past into overtime here though we've certainly seen our fair share of overtime buzzer beaters near misses last second shots in the last couple of weeks more than i can ever say i have seen in my lifetime uh, in such a short period of time. Um, any final thoughts uh, as we send you off? I think uh, I just want to send out a reminder to SIDs that uh, uh, the team of the week presented by Scoutware returns this week. So nominations are due by 8 p.m. Eastern time on Monday. You know, we've been real lax uh, slash non-existent about posting buzzer beaters this year. Um which is kind of typical of December. I always think that I'm going to do a better job keeping up with the stuff in November, December, and it never works out. So if you had a legitimate buzzer beater and that is shot is in the air as the time expires, um, then, uh, oh, and you know, and the shot tizer wins the game, then uh, send me a link if you would. I, I know of a couple, but I've probably missed many um, because we're going to be working on that this week. Uh, you know, we'll have fresh top 25s. Uh, we'll have uh, around the region columns and around the nation column come back. So we're back in full swing, and I uh, hope that you guys uh, check it out on d3hoops.com. I think you might have a buzzer beater in your own personal possession, sir. Yeah, I just have – well, we've run it, oh, <laughs> and, oh, yeah. you know, 600 people have seen it. So uh, that's a start. Um, I'm looking for the other 10 or so that we usually Absolutely. get in November and December. No, I, re- I, I hear what you're saying. Well, thanks so much, sir. Appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the opening Sunday of the season for us. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good. All right, take care. All right. Back home and joining us here on Hoops. We'll appreciate him taking the time. That's going to wrap us up for here on a Sunday show. Uh, appreciate everybody taking their time to join us and, and chat with us. Um, certainly North Central's women's basketball coach, Michelle Roof. Uh, great having her on the show. Of course, also want to thank uh, Amherst's uh, Dave Hickson, 
Richard Stockton's uh, crew uh, of uh, Jerry Matthews and Scott Britton. And, of course, want to thank uh, Glenn Robinson and Franklin and Marshall for joining us on pre-taped segments. Certainly appreciate them taking the time to do that uh, and join us on the show. Uh, As always, it makes our show better, and we appreciate them taking the time to do that. Nice to pre-record some interviews here as well. We'll continue to work on our uh, setup, as it were. You see our backdrop. I want to remind everybody, if you have something you'd love from your team or school that you'd love in our background, please send it our way. This is also our set for the YD3 show, so uh, we will dress it up and change it up and all that stuff throughout the uh, uh, anytime you see either Hoops or, or YD3 show. But, you know, again, Wheaton Women's Basketball sent us this nice little kind of cool basketball uh, rim in the background. We'll keep that up. Uh, some other people have sent us shirts and stuff in the past. We'll be hanging those up as well and, and so on and so forth. So if you have something, let us know. We'll uh, let you know how you can send it to us. We'd love to decorate the set. And we can always change our set around. We'll even show you a wider view of our set in the future. Don't forget, we'll be on the air Sundays and Thursdays, uh, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern time for um, uh, both those sets of shows. Uh, again, uh, we'll pre-record some shows. Uh, we'll pre-record some interviews. We'll do stuff live as well and interact with fans. Of course, you can do that via Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville or on uh, email Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or via Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Don't forget, we're also podcasting our show on SoundCloud. Uh, we're still working to get it onto iTunes, but at least it works on SoundCloud. You can find a link on that as well uh, on our archive pages. Uh, but if you want to subscribe to that and get the podcast that way, you can most certainly do so, either download it or listen to it accordingly. Uh, a couple of shows of significance coming up. Uh, we will be um, uh, having our 12-hour marathon show by the end of the month, we suspect. Uh, rough estimate date would be the 29th, but that needs to be set in stone. We haven't done so. Also planning to travel coming up. We're not sure where and when and how we can get out of town, looking at the calendar, working it out with family. Um, but we are looking at traveling one weekend. Uh, we haven't decided where, but I can tell you we probably have narrowed it down to either the Ohio Great Lakes region, maybe Michigan, um, uh, New England, or the Chicagoland area just for transportation reasons. Though nothing is set in stone, we are still pouring over the calendar trying to figure out what might be the best option. There are actually two weekends that I might be able to travel, but we're trying to figure out what might lead us to the best number of games we can get to in a reasonable amount of time and and not affect family either as obviously I've been out of town quite a bit recently and the family has been a has been a very nice in, in letting me do that so but keep touch with us via social media to find out where we may be headed um I think that's going to do it for now don't forget we'll be back on the air Thursday don't forget also how we break this show down we go um, on on Sundays now. We will primarily cover the Northeast, the Atlantic, the South, and the and the Midwest regions or Central region, I should say. On Thursdays, we will cover the East, Mid Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West, with a little bit of the South as well, because sometimes it's the only way we can get guests on the South region on the show is to get them on Thursday due to travel. So that's how we break things down. We'll also have our school of the week. That's usually on a Sunday. We'll have our coaches corner on Thursday as well. If you have a nominee for coaches corner who you want, maybe a coach that we don't normally talk to or want to find out a little bit more about them as coaches, let us know. Uh, And if you have a nominee for our school of the week, a school we don't normally talk to and has garnered attention for any particular reason, of course, it's a particular team that warrants that reason, let us know. We'll try and interview them as well. 
and we may start a second fundraiser. I don't want to make a big deal about this. Uh, it is something that we just want to do to keep things going, to keep improving things. We have other things we want to do. Uh, we're going to try it out a second time and see how it works. Lower goal, lower expectations, lower fanfare, but we may be launching that in the coming days as well. I think that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for tuning in. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks to all our guests for appearing on the show. Thanks also to Pat Coleman for joining us via Skype as well. If you have any questions for us or want to keep tab with us, again, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on email, you have that information at the bottom, and you can always find us there as well. And we look forward to having you join us back here on Hoopsville. Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches, is a presentation of DMAC Productions and D3Sports.com. All rights are ours. Any rebroadcast or any use of these broad, of these shows is without express written consent is prohibited. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks for joining us on our season debut of the Sunday edition. We'll be back with a Thursday edition on Thursday. January 7th, or 8th, I should say, at 7 o'clock Eastern night. Good night, everybody. <laughs>